0: Welcome to Books Boys
1: Live from the Grand Library,
0: the Dean
1: and Lee Boy eller
0: <laughs>
1: Guys, keep calm and read your tickets. We're using the Anna Karenina method here. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you to our great crowd. We are indeed here on the okay, enough, enough. Ooh, we are I here on lost. the anniversary <laughs> episode. It's three years of Books Boys, hence the uh, the cheering, the crowd. Um, it's myself, the dean, as always, joined of course by
0: Alex.
2: Yeah, um, I have not gotten what
1: <laughs> that was a party horn because it's uh, a celebration.
2: It sounded like a cat.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, now I hear it. You got it? Yeah. It's, um... But you know what, Alex? Not only is it the three-year anniversary of Books, boys, it's also Halloween.
0: Woo! Yay!
2: So. We're going that. for the early 2000s vibes, aren't
1: we? <laughs> um... Yeah, here we go, Uh, episode 37, and we're going to talk about the books that we read in October. I read a fair bit, actually. I did all right.
2: Yeah, you read a lot of short stories, it sounds like.
1: I I read a lot of short stories. Um, I got a couple of novels as well. (laughs) A lot, yeah. Uh, I'll talk about some of the best ones. Good. And, yeah, then we also did some other stuff. I mean, we read some Euripides, for example, and people can go already and get that on... um... Patreon.com slash booksboys. We have even pre recorded next month. But um, I realized that in the excitement of the of the cheering crowd and everything, I forgot to do the intro. So let's just do it now. He's Alex. Hello. <laughs> I'm Dean, joined by little Alfred, and we are the Books Boys. This is the Books Boys show anniversario. Get it. Buy it. Books. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the crowd was going to come back for the books. Oh no! Celebrate! The king okay. has come. <laughs> <laughs> we're here with the with the, the books talks. So we we um, might as well get stuck in because we got a lot of books to talk about. But I was just we mentioning do. quickly to go and check out all the other stuff on Patreon. But we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later. Shall I start? So you were telling me that I should read some different. Things and mix it up a bit more?
2: I think uh, that would generally be good. Uh, We do a lot of uh, UK and Spanish stuff Mm -hmm. for the most part.
1: So I have mixed it up wildly. And the first thing I'm going to talk about are a collection of short stories by Alexandre Dumas.
2: I mean, it's not really mixing it up too much. but Yeah, it's uh, it's French at least this time.
1: how we do talk about a lot of Dumas. No, I, we, it's a good point though. We'll uh, I'm going to run out of books in the next month or two, and then it's a chance to buy a lot of new stuff, and and then we can uh, we can really mix it up. Um, but I thought it was funny because this month I have read um some French stuff, some Dumas, some Russian stuff. More basically the same, but nothing nothing uh, really too British. So. This was a lovely, lovely collection. Uh, you might recognize it, actually. The Works of Dumas. Um, fantastic yeah. collection. Gifted, actually, by yourself. So thank you so yes. much.
2: I am glad that you've enjoyed it. I was sitting in the uh, airport bringing it back to you at one point And, like, I should at least check out some of it. So I read, I think, like, the first three. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I can see why you would want to keep reading. It's ten volumes just in that one book.
0: Yeah.
1: So the way I'm going to do it is... I'm going to split it into... So it's a thousand pages. So I've basically decided to split it in three. And that makes it kind of like novel length, basically. And then we'll do it uh, over three episodes.
2: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but
2: each so. volume also has like 20 short stories in it. Yeah. Now, some do, of some them... Lot. Some of them are just from his books. Which Yeah. Honestly, there's a lot
1: of little ones that were... Joseph Osamu, the the sorcerer ones that we, I've talked about in the past. A lot of stories from his books um some just from other ones dr gilbert appears a lot um i don't know if these were released later as like little excerpts or if these were started as stories and later worked into novels Uh, i I have no way of knowing that i guess but
2: well it does have the best scene for uh three musketeers in it though so Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. later on so I And you know, I haven't come across any other Three Musketeers ones yet. But you, you never know, because as I say, it's mm. it's a massive collection. I'm only a third of <laughs> the way through it. Um, but I'll touch on a couple of the stories that stood out to me after reading them. Some of the ones that were my favourites. Um, the first good one is the courtship of Josephine and Napoleon. And that's interesting because we just talked last time about Napoleon III and Eugenie. Mm. And them getting together, so it kind of ties in nicely to talk about the original Napoleon and Josephine and and how they got together. And it's a little short story about them, but the funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, just like with Eugenie, there was an element of like prophecy, gypsy prediction type stuff with Josephine as well.
2: Okay, so you did like that
0: one?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did like, like
2: it. I thought it was interesting historically so that's one I read as well it's the very first one mm-hmm. but it it's long for a short story it's like 15 20 pages
1: of the three volumes uh, I've read so far I think this is the sh- the longest story in all of them yes. so far yeah yes
2: but it's really nice seeing the meet. you have uh Josephine come in and they like have this giant map all over the room it you basically need to have it as like a tapestry in front of a palace or something yeah it's so large And she has, she's like coming over to meet Napoleon and she just kind of like has to like jump on an area and you see her footprints on it. I don't know. It's, it's just really kind of cute in a way they're meeting. The stuff with like the palm reading and all that was not really my thing, but the first half I thought was fantastic.
1: Mm it it is very good and i mean i like the palm reading just because it tied in a bit with the napoleon the third stuff as well so it was interesting to mm. see that, that both those those stories were repeated in history um but it's a nice it's a nice story and i think it's interesting that uh, if i remember correctly josephine was already widowed um and then napoleon yes. ends up talking with her and it's nice to see how they they came about um but i think my favorite of all is actually i think it comes it's next in the sequence of the ones that I liked. I don't know if it's absolutely next in the book or not, but I think you had also read it. It's the blood union.
2: Yes. Um, <clears throat> that was, I, I wasn't sure if there was going to be another story that would beat that one. It's only like three pages, but it is fantastic. It paints the picture perfectly. Yeah. It takes you through, it's just one night when all of this happens, but you know, like what everyone's feeling and, Go ahead and talk about it. Um, Yeah, I mean, and
1: it's as you said, short. So there's not a a massive um, story to go into, but essentially, the the crux of it is. I mean, let me pose it as a as a hypothetical question to the listener: Like, can you imagine loving someone so much and being ready to marry them to the point where they are dying, and you actually think, can we get a blood transfusion of my blood into their body? just enough to resuscitate them with a little few minutes of a lease of life just enough and have a priest nearby to marry us before they then immediately die
0: mm.
1: you know bring them keep them alive with my blood for 5 minutes so that we can get married and that because i want their name and i want to have been their widow mm. that level Basically. of romance is is the best thing i've heard in my entire life
0: <laughs> yeah
2: it's that tragic <laughs> romance that you so much love but i i i see it in this one like much more than like even romeo and juliet which i do think is a really good tragedy this one was just wonderful i i kept thinking like all right who is she what's she trying to get out of this and no it's it's nothing about that it really is she just loves this person yeah
1: and... yeah you maybe think plot twist he's a millionaire or something and she wants to inherit or something. it's not that
2: <laughs> no no and i'm so happy they didn't do that as well
1: that would have totally ruined it i think I mean, yes. It would still be an interesting story, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't have felt the same, mm. you know. And it it left a really strong impression on me. That one, I, I really, really loved it. Um, a couple of the other ones from volume one that were interesting. We have one about uh, Admiral Nelson and and Lady Hamilton. Of course, that's um, about Waterloo and all that kind of stuff. So Nelson, the adver- English adversary, I guess, of Napoleon. And um, so we we hear a little bit about them. And again, it's just kind of about them getting together. And actually the queen tells Nelson, tell that girl to dance for you. She's my, she dances for me because she's part of my court. I'm going to leave the room so that there's no, I guess everyone breeds a collective sigh of relief when the monarch leaves the room and they can hmm. open up a little bit. He says, I'm going to leave the room. Tell her dance for me like you dance for the queen, <laughs> basically. And she okay. does. And then they get married. So that's perfect. Very. Yeah, if, only well. it was, uh, if only it was that easy. There's one I I like the honor of von Bulu or Bulu I'm not exactly sure um, how it's pronounced. This one's interesting for two reasons. A uh, guy says we need to raise 25 million in taxes. And the guy says cool, so find 25 multi millionaires in the town and take a million from each of them. Problem solved. Leave the leave the town's people alone. And I was like, "Hold on. Uh is this how we <laughs> need to be doing taxation?" <laughs> like
2: that is what you said uh to me after reading it. it's like, "You know what? This is pre-Marx, it's... Yeah. yeah. You, honestly, I, I think a I, lot of people had this idea.
1: This feels like a sound basis for taxation um, within the country. Like, we should be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, the soldier who's supposed to, like, pa- you know, instigate this then, he refuses his orders, and he says these people can't, you know, the people in the town, they can't afford to, to pay this, this levy. Um, and this is very Juma. It's very Three Musketeers. It's all about honour... And he's like, well, I've been Mm. besmirched because you've told me to do this. I refuse to do it. And he's like, well, then I'll write to to my boss. I'll write to your boss. I'll write to the king. And he's like, off you go then, sir. Off you go, gentlemen. Write to them and uh, tell them that I, I point blank. I refuse the orders. I will own up to it. I will perfectly admit it. And we'll let things follow through their course. And the guy lifts something like he's going to hit him and doesn't hit him. And he says, but you've hit my honour. Even though you didn't hit me, oh. you might as well have done because the blow struck just as bad. And then he goes on, this act of violence, and he keeps talking like as though he has actually been hit because of like <laughs> the act of And then they end up <laughs> dueling, and the poor guy ends up lying dead with a note beside oh. him that says, like, I have refused to allow this tax. Like, like he just kind of st- goes... <laughs> it's fantastic.
2: <laughs> I do like that bit of honour. Like, uh, I... Someone who has really loved Japan and has lived there, the idea of honor, especially, like, this time period, it, yeah, much
1: more important. I can appreciate that. There's a sense in which it's nonsense as well. Like, there's a sense in which it's a purely human construct, you know?
2: Oh, absolutely. Like, why would you die over, like, your pride being hurt?
1: Yeah, you know, it is it is stupid, but I love it. I love to see it, in J- Dumas does it so well. And you've seen it in The Three Musketeers, the way that, you know, I'm going to kill you, but I'm definitely not going to steal your gold. Please pick this up. You've dropped it, you know? <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, yes. Uh, I will duel you with the other hand because you hurt your one hand.
1: Yeah, it's and- all that. And There's there's one of those coming up later, actually. A um, couple of ones to touch on quickly. There's Gitano uh, the Gorger. That's an interesting one what? where he get he gets a <laughs> bunch of guys together and basically says, you must... Um, I'm actually going to try to read the last two paragraphs of it because it really sums it up well. Um, so Mammon approached them, his bleeding cup in his hand, and offered them their lives if they would drink to the health of the king in their compatriot's skull. So he pours the drink into the skull of their compatriot, who he has just killed. All four, four refuse... Yeah, yeah, all four refuse in horror... Then he had a hammer and nails brought, made the officers spread their hands on the table and nailed them to it. Then bundles of straw were thrown in the room and they they were set alight and the doors and windows were shut. So because they wouldn't, he nails their hands to the table and burns the room down.
2: (laughs) What? Why?
1: Why? It's again. It's only a few page story. We just get a snippet of it, but it's it's one of those like that's very violent for Dumas. A lot more violent than I've seen from Dumas usually. But
2: that will really stick with you. I see why you put it.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to mention it. Like you know, it's it that was rough. And the last one that I really particularly liked from Volume One is called The Tragedy of Nantes. I guess non. I don't know how they pronounce that in in French, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. This one, it was, um, let me just see. Yeah, so four guys were due to be executed and one guy had fought to get them a pardon and he then actually comes up with the note and the executioner is uh, uninterested and he he kills him as well. He basically just says, whoever's on this platform is getting killed and they keep saying to him afterwards, you've killed, there's supposed to be four bodies but you've got five here. And he's like, well, you know, they were on the scaffold or whatever, so I killed them. Like, what's the problem? Four or five? And, of course, the tragedy at the end is, they're like, well, why is there a fifth body? What's going on? You've just, like, absentmindedly killed everyone around you. And then when they examine the bodies, they find that the fifth body was a guy, and in his hand was a note of pardon for the other four. So not only did he not have to die, actually, none of them did. (laughs) All right, that's a fantastic story, too. Yeah, Yeah. so and what i like about short stories you
2: you get that impact and you you don't have to go through much
1: yeah what i like about these is um some of these little ones wouldn't really have any place in one of dumas novels so it's really good that we're able to get them Mm -hmm. in this way you know how would you fit the gorger into a three musketeers sequel or something like it doesn't fit you know but it's nice to see what he does with these short stories um I'll try to skim through a few from Volumes 2 and 3 as well. Volume 2 opens with a piece called A Female Defender and I was like, oh, is this like a female lawyer or something? No. Um, She's defending Dumas (laughs) and he's mentioned in the third person a lot once or twice. And essentially some people were I guess trying to say he wasn't very good so he finds a woman to write a piece defending his writing, essentially. And then he prints it in his own collection of short stories. And they actually say, like, the talent of Dumas. Each volume represents the immense preliminary labours, the endless studies, his worldwide knowledge. He did not possess this facility 20 years ago because he had not known then what he knows now. But since then, he has learned everything, forgot nothing. His memory is um, appalling. His outlook infallible. It's like, oh, this is a you, this is an ego piece.
2: <laughs> but why is it in volume two?
1: <laughs> I don't know. but it's quite funny that it was in there one of the best ones from volume two and i'm not going to mention the ones that come from the books with one exception yeah. it's called the great copt and i just mention it because it comes from the joseph balsamo and it's just this piece where he's in there in what a spooky halloween layer with an underground cult and everything and they're supposed to they get him to do all these tricks you know and it's supposed to be like if you're really devoted to the cause you'll drink the blood from the cup and you'll take the dagger and you'll do this and you'll do that but of course it's joseph balsamo the sorcerer and he says well actually i know that that's not really blood and the person you stab with the dagger isn't really dead and this is a false dagger and he knows all the tricks and then he says actually i've been sent to be your leader and then he takes over the cult and that's a that's a really nice story and although it features in the novel i just thought i would mention it because it's uh it's a really really fun one Hmm. another interesting one is the wedding night so louis the 15th essentially it looks like marie antoinette is there with her would-be um husband and louis the 15th is kind of the will be her father-in-law i guess
0: Mm.
1: and it's just a short little story where he doesn't want to seem. it seems he doesn't (coughs) want to leave the the the, the to-be-married couple alone and then they kind of kick him out because I guess they want to go to bed together. And then he's like, "That's cool, I'll leave. I will be listening in at the cracks in the door." And then they look, and he's just there, like creeping in the door and stuff like that. It's just a funny if one. You're like,
2: king, I... I guess you can.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. He can, but it's just like I don't know daughter. why he's there. Um, but the wedding night ends very badly because then they go out into the town, and there's like an up, some kind of uprising. There's violence. I think the scaffolding burns down. There's bodies everywhere. There's people, you know, running around. And they go out in their horse and carriage and it says, Well, this is a pretty bad omen for a wedding night, you know. Never mind the the king creeping in on us, but we've now got like dead bodies on fire everywhere all around us. It's pretty pretty rough way to start a wedding. Another fun one, tactics of love. It's kind of a typical thing, but the guy goes to the girl's house and pretends to be her cousin so that he can like, and the the husband just accepts it, you know, and then it's one of those like almost comical ones where the guy's then living with them and he's, uh, the husband is unawares. And then I I think it's kind of mean because I think they end up also scamming the husband for a million, uh, well, not pounds, livres or whatever, whatever currency they're using, but they, they steal a million from him by convincing him to give it to them for some purpose or other, even though they're already like in his house cuckolding him, um which it's funny but also quite sad at the end that they have such little regard for him. I think they convinced him they'd invested in something or I can't quite remember.
3: Um, stuff.
1: Yeah. Fate of a Regicide is another fun one. One of the Louis oh. goes out and almost gets shot. He doesn't actually get hurt. Or he doesn't get hurt fatally anyway, but they find the person who tried to attack him. And initially, he's so happy to be alive that he says this person will suffer nothing, you know? But then when the time goes on, they take the guy and they basically hack him up limb from limb and it's really horrific. And they're like, well, that's you know, he wasn't even a regicide. He was a would-be regicide. But the point of the story is that's what a king's promise is worth. In the moment he said nothing bad will happen to you and then let them arrest him and torture him and hack him to bits. I guess, don't... uh, don't trust a king's promise
2: yeah usually um, no there's a fun line as well
1: kings. there's a fun line and one called the bitter cup i'm not going to win the story but i just like this fun line it says um flogging for whoever salutes the king hanging for him who insults him so i guess it's because the place was so divided that like no matter which side you were on if you went with the wrong people you would get punished for it so they say supporting the king, you'll get ha- you'll get hung, but uh, if you if you salute him, you'll get flogged by the other side. So you really don't want to be involved in uh, politics at that time, I guess.
2: Sounds like the troubles.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, I I guess it uh, kind of is hmm.
2: uh, one hmm. of those
1: things that cannot possibly go well. I'm gonna finish volume two with the Prodigal's Favor, another one of my favorites. Uh, very very straightforward though, and again, some of these are two pages, you know. But this guy, he was a servant of the guy and off he went into the army to make a bit of a name for himself and whatever, gets discharged and comes back. He kind of comes back cap in hand, tail between his legs to his old master. And he's like, well, I want to come back. And he ends up having to agree to come back without any wages. He says, just let me come back and work with you, basically. And so the master's like, "Okay, you can come in. You can live with me, you know, board and lodgings, but no actual pay um but then the guy starts taking over and like he's like why go up and put some clothes on and he goes in and puts the finest clothes he can find in his master's bedroom and kind of tricks him like well you want people to think you're wealthy so you kind of have a servant going around in rags like the better i'm dressed it doesn't really matter how you're dressed like, the better i'm dressed people will see me in the street a lot more than they'll see you and then they'll think like well you know the master must be really wealthy and then he does something else and something else and eventually the master's like what are you doing going around all dolled up and everything and he's like well and then he kind of admits, like, "How am I going to get the ladies?" Otherwise, you know, it's like, "Ah, that's what you you really just wanted to dress up and go out and flirt with the girls." So, it's kind of funny how he turns the table uh, on the master a little bit.
2: You really see yourself in that, don't you?
1: I, you know, I really I learned empathy today. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, wow, it took you since yesterday. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll briefly mention a couple from Volume Three. Uh, it was it was the weakest of the three volumes so far. Okay. Um, the first one is all about Dumas himself again. And he's there and he's kind of being a bit of a cheapskate and he doesn't want um, people to spend money. But I mean, I guess it's fictional. But there's a story where someone wants to sell them a monkey. And he says, Well, the last monkey went for um, 40 francs, uh, a guinea pig, and two white mice. And the guy's like, Right. So they haggle over it and he gives them the 40 francs. And so the guy's like, Well, what about the- <laughs> where's my two white mice you promised me? They said like, well, we don't even have any white mice, and they have to haggle a second time over like, well, what would the value of the white mice have been? And then can I like give you that and, instead of the mice and things like that? And it's just kind of funny. Like it, it doesn't go anywhere, but it's just you know.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, another funny one was the Vicomte's breakfast, where it's essentially very simple. It's a two-page story. They give him a bet. You can't possibly eat like a thousand pounds worth of food in one breakfast or something. So then he takes on the challenge and just goes in and does it. He kind of cheats, though, because he orders one super expensive dish and several bottles of wine as part of the meal. But anyway, he ends up eating, like, a £1,000 worth of breakfast in the answer. Um, That's cool. The drumhead marriage, which has uh, a guy and girl who are in the military. uh, Well, I guess the guy's in the military. The girl's attached to it in some regard or other. Um, and it's just about them getting together and asking a superior offer, so it's going to get married and everything. But the reason I mention it is the one line where they say, "Yes, you'll have lots of children, and the army will take them all." And it's uh-huh. yeah. it's like, oh, they're just immediately conscripted from birth into the army. Then, <laughs> like that's the way they they're just like, yep, yeah, the army will look after all your offspring and adopt them into the into the ranks immediately. Um, but the one I want to finish on, well, I'll mention before before the finishing one, I'll mention there's a long three three part one uh, about Isabella who I guess was a Spanish uh, princess and it's just about her story she goes to French court, she gets ransomed off and all this kind of stuff and there's another funny little one um, called The Little Dog Jet where the dog saves the Republic because it's kind of unclear, but I think he just gets in the way and stops the fighting, basically. And then they say, like, the dog has saved the Republic because, like, we we're about to kill you. And, you know, now we've kind of cooled down after the dogs got out of the way and things like that.
2: Did they make him king?
1: They did. Sadly, they did not. Oh. But my favourite, I think, so far is sword and pistol. And this is one of those that you mentioned. Like, I can't possibly fight you with that hand. It's one of those stories, you know. Mm. So the two guys are going to duel. And then he explains to him, well, you know... One of them is German, I think. He says, in Germany, we never use the point of the sword. We only use the side. And the guy's like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you told me. I was about to stab you with a sword. So okay, I'll be careful not to. And they fight and fight. And he accidentally pokes them with it. And he's like, I can't be trusted. I'm so used to using the point. Give me five minutes. And he goes and he breaks the top off the sword so that it doesn't have a point. And then they go back to fighting. You know, it's just like, what are those ridiculous? Like,
2: Where's my book? I need another three musketeers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But this is the kind of stuff I like, and there's a lot of like, oh, pardon me, sir, like I I almost, uh, you know, killed you in the wrong way, so I better be very careful there, and you got to do it in the right kind of way. You got to follow all the jewel etiquette and things. I love it, like that's the kind of stuff. I the ridiculous Mm -hmm. um, parts of Dumas like that. I really, really love.
2: Oh, I get it. I get it. That again, that's my favorite scene from Three Musketeers, and yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: There's a lot of it in, the, in Musketeers. There's a lot of it, you know. Uh You're gonna someone bumps into you, so you want to fight them for no reason, but then you realize they're hurt. So it's like we'll make an appointment for a week's time. Like go home and nurse that arm first. I want you like at 100 so it's a fair fight, you know. There's a lot of that. Exactly. But most of the time, it's like you could just not fight.
2: <laughs> you could just not. But if anyone, I mean, duels have been around for a long time. I guess they ended in late 1800s, maybe. Well, I don't know. Were there I any guess... that you just didn't like at all? That were just bad, maybe?
1: Um, there was a couple that weren't memorable, that were just boring. I don't think there were any that okay. were bad, but there were some that just, like, you'd read it and you'd be like, whatever, you know, just didn't yeah, go anywhere.
2: There's definitely going to be some boring ones, but none that you're just like, oh, I hate this story. Like, what
1: are they doing? Yeah, Dumas is a very, very good writer. So I think nothing is going to be terrible. And even when I've read novels of his that haven't been good, they're still decent. There's a couple of throwaway ones that you're never going to talk about again. But Hmm. I don't think anything he's written is actively bad, you know. Um, So very, very good. Very happy with it. I have one or two more Dumas on my shelf. If If I'm correct in thinking, I have one Dumas and one Dumas Jr., and then mm-hmm. we will put Dumas aside for a while obviously i'll finish the short stories as well <laughs> yes. um i'm promising no more balzac for a while um you know so i want to we will try to move forward everybody a little bit a yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will move forward a little <laughs> bit and we'll we'll try to um get into some some new territory um, i think that would be good
2: yeah. yeah and we have other people to give recommendations as well and we might be getting some um
1: Soon, I think. We might indeed. Now, we have a new thing I haven't told you about. So after I review a book, I'm going to say if it was good or bad with a sound effect. So the good books, do we want to read it? It gets a yeah. And if we don't want to read it, it goes down the gutter. So the first book, Dumas, does okay. it get a yeah or does it go down the
2: gutter. Oh, okay. definitely down the gutter.
1: No, I could say, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty easy.
1: So, yeah, I'm, you can tell by by my uh, thoughts on it. Um, but just to remind everyone, you can go to booksboys.com, you can click on Get Some Merchandise, click on links to all our other uh, bits and pieces. And while you're there, you can also... And check out our other shows. So over on Patreon.com/booksboys, we have all the shows. We've actually started some new shows, Um so you can check those out while we're there. But we'll talk a little bit more about those in a moment. Because it looks like the phone is ringing. I think we have a guest. Two seconds. Hello, you're through to Books Boys. Who's calling?
4: Hi! Is it me? It's Iris! Iris <laughs> <Aris> is calling! <laughs> Hi, it's
1: Iris! is calling.
4: Hello! How are you?
1: We're good! How are you? Iris is uh, also the co-host on one of our new shows, so that was very good timing. We've started reviewing the show Arcane uh, on Animation Adventures, and they can uh, check that out as well. There's going to be nine episodes of that.
4: Nine episodes of goodness, so hope you're ready.
2: Buckle up!
1: While you're here, though, you have um, read some interesting books. I believe you've read Peter Pan.
4: I did! Amazing. I actually read a book. (laughs) 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 This is my first book of 2023. I'm a bit ashamed, but better late than never, right?
1: (laughs) I guess it's your first... Yeah, Yeah. I have read
0: books... (laughs)
2: A lot of people who listen might read a lot, but you know what? If people don't read a lot as well, it's always nice to start.
4: Yes, yes. I mean, I have um, i I've, I've, I've read uh the first half of Naushka Valley of the Wind. That's a manga, but uh, you know, it's still reading. But it's
2: bound, so it's technically like a book.
4: <laughs> it it is a heavy book, and it's two volumes. <laughs>
1: But so how is. was it? Tell us, tell us how um, how Peter Pan is.
4: Um, it's short. I I was um. I, I actually just finished reading it. Um, <laughs> I was. I don't know what's the right word, but. I was reading it and because I mostly I've never read it before, obviously, otherwise you wouldn't read it again. Or maybe you would. I don't know. Um, But I've seen the animation from Disney like a lot of times. And I have heard from countless people that most of the stories from Peter Pan were based on very grim stories. Like the stories have nothing to do with the actual animation that we grew up watching. And this one follows the book almost to the letter so I was quite surprised about that obviously the end changes a bit but uh it's not as horrible as apparently what actually happens with Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and all those stories
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. some of them I think are can get pretty rough when you go back and actually read you know like the Brothers Grimm versions of some of the tales and things like that and Disney made them all happy but this one you're saying it's pretty faithful that's good
4: yes I mean like Captain Hook does actually die which i was like what oh okay cool he actually and it's a very or maybe i am not uh, reading well and i failed to reach the climax of of the end but it felt like and captain hook died i was like oh 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 okay Cool. he he said next oh.
2: well, he was kind of like the remaining patriarch in that land and it basically is like the children win. Childhood wins is what it sounds like. I might just be reading into it. but
0: uh,
4: I don't know. It felt very anticlimactic.
2: Oh, okay. Well, there's that too maybe, hmm.
4: maybe I was... Because I do feel that I missed quite a few points in the book. Probably I need to read more to pick up and all those things instead of reading the same sentence like five times and go back to it and read it again. But uh, I felt very, like, yeah, and Captain Hook just, you know, I think, like, Peter Pan stabbed, I just read it and I forgot, but I think Peter Pan just, like, stabbed him and said, like, and yes, and that, that was the end of Captain Hook, and I was like, oh,
0: oh, oh,
4: okay, cool, amazing. And also, uh, John and Michael actually killed pirates. I don't oh. remember that happening in the animation, mm. for mm. obvious reasons, obviously
1: okay so it had an anticlimactic ending but overall i guess you kind of liked it if it's the first book you finished all year
4: well what well, there's not a lot of competition this year <laughs> no
1: but the way, the way i mean that is like you wouldn't have bothered finishing it if you hadn't liked it so you 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 finished it so i'm guessing that's a good thing right
0: also, that sounded end, worse it than it was to...
1: meant to <laughs> no i mean i don't
4: know if i'm spoiling it for anyone probably hopefully perhaps read it but also at the end i was quite uh surprised uh, like i kind of saw it coming a little bit i suppose but um you know like wendy goes back to, to the real world and then sadly enough like you can't help but like grow up because because that hood and um she has a baby and then this baby dreams a lot about peter man or she's heard a lot like she hears him crow at night he's like or whatever it sounds he like
5: a
2: horror story
4: <laughs> no no it's not oh no <laughs> at some point it did feel a bit kind of like surreal or creepy how or maybe egocentrical from peter pan how he just it was always his way and he was so um Forgetful of everything because nothing really had any importance. It's it's weird. Like Peter Pan did give me a bit of an iffy feeling. Like I was just like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't think I like you. You are very like airheaded, but not airheaded. I don't know if is, is that a like, thing. Airheaded.
1: He never wanted to grow up and stuff, so that's his whole vibe, right?
4: Yes, but sometimes the book pushes it a bit to the extreme or like maybe not pushes it to the extreme but I was like maybe because I'm an adult and I'm not a child anymore and then I'm cursed forever I don't know but uh it did feel like ooh, I don't know I'm not really like I don't know if I am meant to like you but I'm not really liking you per se because he was like yeah you know like one example was they were just um they like play make-believe and then so many days, they would just go without eating, and all they had was like pretend that they were eating, and they'll just eat air. But everyone had to pretend to eat air, otherwise Peter Pan would be unhappy and be like, no, right. no, you need oh. to pretend to be
1: eating air. Oh, okay, so, uh, and, yeah. It's a bit so, like, immature, but, but I guess it's meant did, to be.
2: They kind of did that in the movie Hook with Robin Williams, except in that case, like, you, your imagination shows you what you're eating, and uh, then you just can, you actually do get food that way but i don't know you just need robin williams maybe that's, see, that's the type of peter the, Pan this
4: needs. proves it, it like it follows quite to the letter a lot of things mm. which was quite exciting mm. and then also like i remember like when now that you mentioned the movie from robin williams there was uh you know when tinkerbell is dying because she drank the poison that mm. uh hook put in peter pan's medicine I, I always thought it was such a strange thing when I saw the movie. And then uh, it was Julia Roberts that was Karen Crabella. She was just like, everybody clap. You need to clap. Well, no way. It was Peter Pan singing. And Julia Roberts was like, oh, come on. Please clap for me.
2: Or so something like that. That comes from the musical play uh, where it's in, it's in the book as well. Look. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
4: But when I saw it in the movie, I was like, well, this is odd because it's breaking the the, the third wall. You know, it's just like, oh, you're, you're talking to me. I am an audience. I thought I was just watching a story, but now you're involving me. So then, you know, you had to, like, jump in your chair t- and mm. be, like, be like, yay! Well, it's actually in the book. It sounds like you enjoyed it,
1: but I'm going to ask you before you go. Does the book get a yeah, yeah, yeah? Or does it go down the gutter? Nah, I can't a yes. Okay, it gets a yeah 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 hurrah Aris thank you so much for calling in to congratulate us on three years of books boys hurrah
0: Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hurrah
1: thank you so much to Aris for calling in um we love to hear that there's the crowd. Okay, guys, guys, calm down. Seriously, now, calm down. It's fine. It's only a, it's only a podcast, guys. Which yeah, all right.
2: Just Thirty minutes late.
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to go, or shall next? I do another? I my, my next one. If you don't mind, actually, I might do my next one now, and I'll tell you why. Iris just okay. did Peter Pan. My next one is uh, best fairy tales. So I think it, it uh,
2: that would tie in.
1: It fits Sorry. in nicely. Um, And it's also more short stories, which follows along a little bit from the Dumas, and then we'll get into other stuff. Um, Best Fairy Tales by Hans Christian Andersen. And this was a beautiful copy here, the nice ribbon and everything, the nice gold-edged paper, um, gifted to me by uh, Saloni, who you can hear occasionally over on Patreon as well. She's done a few episodes of Film Fellows with us. Um, And this is a lovely one. Interestingly, in the intro, they just mention a little story about... uh, Anderson and he was over in america or he, he traveled around i think he's in england and whatever it is but i think he i guess he was in england for the story he was doing some kind of you know author i guess the equivalent today would be like a book signing but it was more of like a meet and greet type uh, whatever you know he was there and people wanted to come visit him and someone burst into the room and says i must see anderson i must see anderson and it was a certain mr charles dickens and it turns out Dickens was a big fan and then they um, became friends and they said we've never met before but we feel like we know each other because we've read all of each other's work
0: oh
2: so does that make Hans Christian Andersen as good as Dickens
1: (laughs) it's sort of apples and oranges because (laughs) Dickens is writing 800 page novels and Andersen's writing like 10 page short stories so it's hard (laughs) to compare Dickens does have some short stories that are not that great so Maybe on that particular front, Hans Christian Andersen is better. Um, this is a yeah. there's a load in here, and again, like I'm going to try to. It's it's almost 500 pages just of short stories alone. I'm going to try to just pick out a couple. Um, but some famous ones you'll know Thumbelina's in there, The Little Mermaid, yeah. um, The Emperor's New Clothes, mm-hmm. um, for example, and even that one was slightly different than I thought it was. Um, The Princess and the Pea,
2: for yeah, example, is also in there. Little Match Girl, Ugly Duckling, Ugly hide. Duckling,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um. He turns it to be the Swan and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. There's um one I the Ice Maiden. I there's actually two. like the Snow Queen and the Ice and which sound similar but are very different. Um. Didn't care for either of those. I don't know why. But more or less, all the other ones I liked.
2: I think most people know like Little Mermaid and all that, and some others maybe a little less so. Uh, did you have any favorites?
1: Yeah, so I guess the favorites were, well, there's a couple. I mean, the Little Mermaid was really, really nice, to be honest. And you probably could have predicted that. But one of the earlier ones I really liked as well, the tinderbox. I'll, I'll be as brief as I can on these. Um, The tinderbox is really good. Basically, this witch says to this guy, go down this tunnel and you'll be able to get as much gold as you can take. But you'll find a tinderbox down there if you just bring that up and give me the old tinderbox so you can keep as much gold as you want. So he goes in and there's three rooms with three boxes and three dogs. So he lifts the dog off. She tells him how to do it, to not get eaten by the dogs. He takes loads of bronze. Second room, he chucks the bronze and takes the silver. Third room, he chucks the silver and takes the gold. Um, then he climbs up and she shouts down, please don't forget the tinderbox. And he's like, oh, yeah, I totally didn't care about that. For, you know." So then he's like, okay, I'll go bring you your tinderbox. He brings the tinderbox. And he's like, well, why do you want it? And she's like, That's, you don't need to worry about that. You've got all this gold. And he's like, cool. So I'm probably not going to give it to you and might kill you. And I said, well, why? Why you got to be like that? You know? Um,
2: Because it's worth something. There you go.
1: And then he's like, well, now I'm super rich. Um, So I'm going to, you know, I think he's interested in the princess then at that point. And so he goes into the princess and then there's stories about she tells her mom, like, I woke up in the night. This guy came. He can summon the dogs. So it turns out the tinderbox allows him to summon the three dogs to help him. So then the mum, the queen, isn't like, well, this is worrying. She's like, oh, cool. So a guy came in and, like, took your arm with the dogs. Sounds cool. And eventually he does get arrested. And you'd think he would get some comeuppance. But the happy ending is that he's about to be killed. He summons the dogs to come in and help him. And the king's like, flip, that's a pretty cool trick. Actually, you should be king. And here's my (laughs) daughter. (laughs) Well, there you go. She's like, all right, fair enough. So uh, this terrible person gets a happy ending, I guess. Yeah, he gets the princess, and he gets to become king. Yeah, yeah. There's another one about Big Klaus and Little Klaus. Um, Little Klaus has one horse, and Big Klaus has four or five, but they share them. So the way it works is Little Klaus has to go and work the fields for Big Klaus, and he works his horses. But then one day a week... Big Klaus lends him the, his horses so that he can work his own fields, but he has to still work them himself. But that one day, he doesn't feel like a, sir. you know, he's not a servant, but he feels pretty crappy having to work for the other guy six days a week. On that one day, he feels really proud and he keeps telling people, look at me with my five horses. And because for some reason, this shouldn't be a problem that Big class is like, those are not your horses. You tell everyone those are not your horses and he refuses. So Big class is like, cool, I guess I'm going to have to kill you then. And he tries to kill him. And then, you know, he tries to kill him several times. At one point, he throws him in like a box in the water, but he convinces some suicidal guy to get in the box instead. At another point, he, he keeps getting bushels of money from people. He's like, I would like a bushel of money from you. And they give him a bushel of money because he's doing like these tricks. Um, basically, he sees that some farmer's wife has, has dinner with the sexton. And the farmer comes home and the sexton hides. So he comes in and pretends he's doing magic and pretends he summoned the sexton. And then the farmer's like, oh, you've done magic. Take this bushel of money. <laughs> like, some people are just giving him money all the time. And he keeps getting out of scrapes. But at one point, Big Klaus like, hits his granny on the head and kills him and things. like it's, it's getting pretty rough. And obviously he wins at the end. But it's like, I don't know why he's so worried about it. Just let him pretend they're his horses. <laughs> That's not really a problem.
2: Yeah. Uh, jealousy? But they're your horses. They're so. his. Like, he already
1: has a lot more. It's a very Tory thing to do, actually.
2: Uh, yeah. So not your favourite person.
1: No, but it was fun. Um, Thumbelina okay. was a disturbing one, because it's like this tiny little inch high girl, and they basically try to force her to live underground and marry a black uh, mole. And she's like, I don't want to live in the tunnels and the dirt and marry this mole. And they're like, well, he's a nice mole. And she's like, yeah, he's fine. We just like had tea together. He was friendly, but... I don't want to live. And the mole's like, "That's nah, fine. You can be my wife and you'll never see the sunlight again. <laughs> She's like, that doesn't sound good.
2: <laughs> no, that does not sound great at all.
1: Which is, you know, it's pretty fair. Um, the best one, though, is The Little Mermaid, of course. And that is... It's been so long since I've seen the Disney movie that I honestly don't know how faithful they were or how similar they were. I do know that this one has that famous part you've probably heard of, which I guess is not in the movie. Well, it has that bit where she's walking, you know, they say it'll, to walk on your legs, it'll feel like every step you take is on like pins, basically, like you're going to be in agony every step that you walk. So the witch gives her the ability to go and find the prince and gives her the legs. But every step she takes, it feels like a thousand pins are uh, stabbing her legs. Yeah, I don't think that's in the movie. Right. That's not in the movie. But it's she's she's in so much agony. But the witch also cuts out her tongue. And says, yeah, like, cutting out
2: the tongue is different
1: so now you can't tell him that you were the girl he saw that he liked and then her sisters want to come help her so she cut the witch takes all the pretty hair of all the sisters so they're not beautiful anymore and then they go up to try to help her and they're like you will basically die but you can kill the prince instead and that will not exactly break the curse but somehow that will make it okay but she can't kill the prince, even though he's taken a new bride, because he's mistook someone else for the mermaid, because she can't tell him. It, no one can write in any of these stories.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that's usually what people say is the plot hole. Like, yeah, just
1: write. So she can't tell him and even in Titus Andronicus, uh yeah. you have
2: the daughter They're being right able there. to write even with, with hands,
1: hands. <laughs> and a a
2: tongue yeah
1: but in the <laughs> and, end in the end they actually you know it's a I'm not gonna maybe I'm not spoil it but it's not a good ending this one it's it's sad um,
2: I think most people know the ending like even I know that it she turns into like sea foam and yeah,
1: yeah. she doesn't get her prince um,
2: which is really sad but then I always think it's kind of like uh, some of the German story telling at times too he's Danish so they might have gotten influenced by each other
1: yeah, I guess um I guess so. there will be a similar similar thing there. Oh, bear with me a second. Hello, through to Books Boys, who's calling?
6: Hello. Hello, all good. Ah, it's all Carla good.
1: calling in <laughs> to congratulate us on
3: three years of Books Boys. Yeah. Yes, congratulations.
1: <laughs> I like when the crowds cheer spontaneously. Uh Carla, yeah. how are you?
6: All good, all good.
1: I got a party horn.
0: (laughs) What was that? It was a party horn.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh. I thought it was a cat the first time I heard it. So. (laughs) (laughs) Cheap party horn. Apparently, a
6: cat appears in the chat.
1: (laughs) Carla, since you're here, do you have a book to recommend us?
6: Yes. Uh, The book that I wanted to recommend is uh, Ask the Dust by John Fante. Ooh. Yes, it's um, an American author. Actually, he is Italian-American. And the book is about, it's quite uh, autobiographical in a sense, uh, because the protagonist of the book is also Italian-American and is set during the Great Depression in Los Angeles. And it is one of, the, the main reason why I like this book is more for the style, of the writing style I absolutely love the writing style Uh, the story is a a very interesting story but it was not my like it is an interesting story but it was not the point of the part of the book that I like the most in a sense so um, it's about uh, the story itself is about this um, author that wrote his first um, uh, successful story Mm -hmm. And is now trying to write a full uh, um, novel, basically. And he moves to Los Angeles to do exactly this. But again, it's during the Great Depression. Los Angeles is not what you think of it nowadays, of course. Mm. So the way he describes it is like this town in the middle of a desert. He calls it a sad flowers in, flower in the desert at a certain point, meaning that it's, um, how do you say the presence of this desert feels almost like an impending doom. And often he says, oh, we're Mm. going to be all consumed at a certain point by this desert. And um, during the, he stays in Los Angeles, he falls in love with this waitress who doesn't exchange his love and everything. And um, during the whole um, progression of the novel, you see uh, his growth. At the beginning, I was not, reading it myself I got a bit frustrated with the main character oh. because I felt like he was a little bit uh, um, it felt a bit immature at times he, he felt mm-hmm. like he was a little bit uh, uh, egocentric at moments and everything ah. but then it is uh, as the story proceeds you see his growth which is an interesting point of it and I want to. I don't want to give away too much about the story but the writing style is very very beautiful uh is right on the edge of being too flowery but it's so well
3: crafted
6: that it becomes poetic without being cheesy let's say without being Mm -hmm. too flowery without being too excessive is exactly the right amount of um Uh, Poetry and metaphors and uh, flowery writing without being nauseating, (laughs) let's say. Okay. Interesting. It's one of the few American authors that I've uh, read recently. Uh, And I really, really enjoyed his writing. And also, he's Italian-American, so I was a little bit interested in that part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Until you
2: until you got to the romanticized thing, I was thinking like it sounded very similar to Steinbeck with like Grapes of Wrath. Mm. You have like the Dust Bowl and all that and people, Great Depression, but save, there's save, nothing save. nothing romanticized in that
0: book.
6: No, so. no. <laughs> but but uh, I was reading that, for example, Bukowski is greatly inspired by John Fante. So maybe there is like, um, because he's not as, Maybe famous as an author. At least I know that he's uh famous in America, but I never heard of him as much as I heard of Bukowski, at least in Europe. Uh, but there is traces of his uh influence in other authors as well, which is interesting. Okay.
1: Fantastic. So let me ask you then, overall, does the book it sounds like we know the answer, but does it get a yeah, 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 or do we send it down the gutter?
6: It's a yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 Fantastic! Uh, while you're here, I
1: should mention quickly before we let you go. Um, yeah. Carla has been doing some plays with us over on uh, Playboy's Extra as well, and we um, we did originally some um, some Chekhov, and we are next gonna do an Italian play or yeah. two. So um, those will be available soon as well. <laughs> yes, people we can check those out. Fantastic! It's nice to have more glamorous people than us on the show sometimes, Alex. Aww, <laughs> very glamorous
6: my pajamas. <laughs> hey, Carla, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much. Happy anniversary! Bye-bye. Bye bye. Yay!
2: Bye. Well, I think I should go next because I have the next American <laughs> author.
1: Sure. What I will do, if you don't mind, is if you give me two minutes, I will um, finish off the um, short stories. The oh, Hans Christian yes. Andersen. Um The Little Mermaid, I think I was more or less finished with that one. Um But a couple of other stories I really liked are the Galoshes of Good Fortune. I think they might have just been the Galoshes of Fortune, actually. The the fortune was not good. <laughs> they basically they get this guy, they they some fairies leave these galoshes at a party for someone to put on when they leave, and then you get what you want. But it's it's one of those stories where what you you're wrong and what you wanted, like it's it's a be careful what you wish for kind of story. And this guy like was point. going on and on about yeah. how much better the past was. So then he ends up in the past. And he's like, Why are the streets all muddy and there's no lighting and like it's cold and they went into this tavern and it was crappy and everything was terrible and cold and dirty and, you know, the people didn't understand any of the things he was talking about. And, you know, then ends up that he's unhappy and then the, the galoshes end up in a hospital somewhere and they move around, but basically each, each, um, tale, they're not good. You know, it always turns out to not be what someone thought they mm-hmm. were getting. Um, there's another one just to touch on briefly, the Swineherd, And um, basically a princess refuses to marry this guy. This, um, it's kind of weird. She won't take the prince. So he's like, cool. I'll disguise myself as a swineherd and go work for them and like win her affections that way. And then it works over a long period of time. And she's kind of like, why didn't I take that prince eventually? And he's like, aha, but I am the prince. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's a very <laughs> strange way to like go about it. And um, the
2: opposite of Aladdin?
1: I guess, yeah. There's old Lakoi, which is just this guy who visits people in their dreams and takes them on adventures. But then there's always this stern warning where he's like, we're having fun. But there's another old Lakoi who is also death. <laughs> it's like, all right. That's needlessly ominous because we are just having fun, aren't we? (laughs) One of the ones I really liked, although it's very, very simple, is the shepherdess and the chimney sweep. And these are two, like, I guess, porcelain figurines on a windowsill. And they just want or like on on a mantelpiece, I guess. Sorry. But they want to escape from the house. They're just furniture, you know, and it's the story of them trying to escape. It's almost like a uh, women story because the girl tells the guy she wants to escape. So off they go and they escape and they're climbing up the chimney and it's very arduous and very difficult. And they get to the top. And then she's like, Actually, now I've changed your mind. We should go back. And he's like, Oh, she's like, If you love me, you'll come back with me. So then they go all the way back down, back to captivity and back to the mantelpiece that they were on in the first place. And there's another doll that's like pretends to be her uncle or granddad or something. And he's really mean and they were trying to escape from him and she goes back to him anyway because he got hurt, he got wounded, he got uh, broken, and they look after him, and the, the, the guy is sad, basically. Oh, no, he's sad. But it was a nice one. Uh, one of the other main ones is the Wild Swans. A um, family living happily, in comes the evil stepmother, basically, kicks the girl out, and then turns the boys into swans. And so the girl's, like, living alone, um trying to get by and then a a witch basically says you can fix everything you just have to make these garments for your brothers and then throw the cloak once you've made it you've got to throw it over them and they'll transform back but you have to make it from scratch yourself like you've got to go to the fields and start picking flax like you've got to make this from from scratch yourself pick nettles do everything make it from scratch it'll take you a long time you must not speak from now to then so she's not allowed to speak while she makes all these garments, and eventually, like it's the, the they're about to get killed. These swans—they they turn into boys at night, I think—but um, they're all in peril, and you know the girl can't explain anything. And eventually, she throws the cloak at the very, very last second, you know, before they get killed, and and turns them back in, and then they all admit. Then she can speak, and she can say, "These are my brothers, and I'm the prince, and there's the evil queen, and they can sort it all out," you know. But it's it's a nick of time. Interesting detail, apparently she was a few stitches short, so one of the boys ends up keeping one swan's wing.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is kind of a funny addition. I, I like that. It was like, funny because you know
1: it was totally needless, but it added something to the story. It was it, it was nice. It really did. Yeah. Oh, okay, like Alex, it is your turn.
2: <laughs> right. So, I read two plays. Um, didn't have a lot of time for books, so I decided to read some plays. Uh, But American Play, Curse of the Starving Class by Sam Shepard. Now, I remember getting this back when I was in uni uh, first time around and studying theater. I do not remember much about this play because I think I directed a different play. Um, I think we had a choice between this one and another one. So I think this was pretty new to me. Um, But this play... Everyone is a terrible person. That's basically the best okay. way I can describe it. I can like, get on it, board with that. <laughs> yep. Sure. So it starts off basically with uh, the the son. He is... Um, his name is Weston. He's like cleaning up a door. And we don't really know why yet, but mother comes downstairs and like, we're trying to find some foods. So there's not really much uh, to eat. And we then figure out that, well, there the father, Wesley, he broke it down. And it was in the middle of the night. He came home drunk and the wife had told him like, next time you come back really, really drunk, I'm locking you out. But he breaks down the door and comes in anyway. So she calls the cops and he goes to like, some motel somewhere. Okay, interesting. Then we hear a little bit about the daughter, Ella. She's doing, like, a 4-H project, basically posters to talk about how to, like, correctly, like, cut a chicken to serve it. and But she finds out, like, well, her chicken's gone because the mother ate it. And, like, well, this was her own chicken. She raised it from an egg and then killed it Plucked it and had it all ready uh, for her presentation. And then, like, she's being told off, like, oh, this isn't important. Just uh, get over it. Uh, So she leaves. And then, so Weston is just a sociopath. He Mm -hmm. puts her posters on the ground and then actually whips it out and pisses on him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, you are the worst person. Um, mm. Like, why would you do this to your sister? Sorry,
1: <laughs> just because we might not actually yeah. hear hear this, because it sounds like we like most of the books we're reading. Can we just um, just Weston himself uh, as a person and in terms of his morality? Uh, I'm wondering <laughs> if we can send him down the gutter. No.
0: Oh, yes. No.
2: There we go. <laughs> yep, definitely, definitely. Um they use some interesting words to describe it. Um he I think they call it his pecker and his joint. I've heard both <laughs> uh, those. Tr- it was a bit uh interesting. I can't find the exact line right now, but um oh, so so weird. Um and yeah, I'm going to skip a lot of the main details after like the small details after that basically. Yeah. The father's a drunk. The mother is, she's actually trying to sell the house without telling her husband. So she's talking to this lawyer guy, Taylor, and uh, like the daughter already gets the creeps from him, doesn't like him whatsoever. Um, Then the father comes back in act two, also really drunk. And he says, well, I've already sold the house. Uh, and uh sold it to this guy at uh, Alibi Club which i guess is a pub or something. We've been there, right? I... <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> we well, <laughs> um th- doesn't deserve what happens to it later uh, necessarily. Um, where uh where do i even go with discussing this play? Like there's so many weird things in it. You have just like a sheep in the kitchen at times, rebuilding the door, it's There's a lot you can discuss about it, like rebuilding the door, rebuilding their house, their family Mm. and things. Um, They're trying to kind of escape to like Mexico or Europe is what the um, mother wants. Uh, The father wants to go to like Mexico. Weston doesn't care about anything. Uh, He kind of just wants to stay in their house and continue like the next generation and generation after just in this place. Kind of going nowhere. Ella is she's trying to escape. She wants to like go off to Mexico to like work on cars, or at one point she just says, like, I'm going off to do crime. It's like what what is this? Okay. Um,
1: it's, it's honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it gets to the point where like Wesley's not such a So he wakes up basically and he changes his mind about the way he wants to live his life and and he basically just decides that uh he's gonna change his life um so gets rid of the alcohol uh all right sure completely forgets that he owes money to people and you have the guy who sold the house to show up with 1500 bucks and says like all right uh, um Here's for your house. wife can't believe this at all. She kind of starts going mad. A bit weird. Okay. Uh, then Ella, I guess, saw it, or I don't know if she left before this, but she goes down to the club on the horse that she's not supposed to be riding anyway mm-hmm. because it's a dangerous horse. And yeah. uh, she already got dragged along by it earlier. So she shoots up the club. Um, just fills it with holes policeman comes and like hey we uh got your daughter for doing this and the guy in charge of the alibi club then says right i'm taking all this money back but the house is still mine taylor however um the lawyer if you remember from before uh-huh. he said yeah you can't have sold this house you're not a competent person you're always drunk like i could win this in court
0: <laughs> this is Also,
2: he might not necessarily be a lawyer because he is the same person who scammed uh, the father into buying some random plot of land in the desert, which you could do nothing with. It's just dead area. Um, So he runs off. You find out that he was a scammer. We don't really see much about him. He might have just escaped to Mexico, which is what everyone seems to be doing. It's then... all right. where are we at? So then we end up with basically the mother, the son, and the daughter together. Um they they have food, I guess, now, uh, because the father was uh taking care of himself, but he went off somewhere. I actually don't remember what happened with the father. He just leaves. Okay. So it, it comes it's with those three. I guess he might just be out doing something and will be on his way back later. But the daughter goes out to the car She turns on the ignition, and the car blows up. She's dead. Not a deal. No, it's not. And then you have these gangsters come in just being like, hey, uh, so you owe us money. And they confuse the son for the father. So now it's the son who's going to have to be paying the money back. And the father seems to be all scot-free because the mother has gone mad and is now saying that the son is... like, She calls him by the father's name. And that's kind of how it ends. Okay. It's just mad. Did you want more of a...
1: Did you want a more satisfying ending?
2: Or... So... I don't really know. My main issue with it was... How to say... So, they're trying to have a message while also being somewhat, I guess, absurdist at times? It's not exactly absurdism, but like, it's just mad is the best way I can describe it. Mm. So I feel like those don't go together. If you're trying to have a message, I think you can be mad and entertaining in that way. But also trying, you're calling this curse of the starving class. You have the son who was always trying to like, continue down uh, the same as his father did and his grandfather did. The daughter's trying to get away. So you know what each person represents. The daughter dies at the end, so that's, uh, like, they're unable to escape this curse. So I get the general meaning of it. I just think it was not very well done. But the other thing I remember saying uh, when describing it to my friend after finishing it was, I don't think I liked the play, but I was entertained by it.
1: Okay, so then I have to ask you, Does it get a yeah, 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 or are we sending it down the gutter?
2: That is such a hard question, because I could say, like, you know, I I can recommend it for just entertainment purposes, but if we're going off of is this legitimately a good play, like, I don't think I can. I I think I would Uh, have to put it down the gutter.
1: Bad times. We've sent the first play on the gutter.
2: Yeah, I feel bad about it because it still has things that you can enjoy, but it's kind of like one of those B movies that you just enjoy for mm.
1: being like, yeah, and yeah, good. I'm. That's fair. I think
2: next month I'm going to try his other one, "Lie of the Mind." Okay, uh, that's fair.
1: Yeah. While we're on it, I totally forgot, and um, just because we were, we've got a lot to get through. But I mentioned that I really enjoyed the fairy tales, so. Yeah. they forgot they deserve their yeah 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 um and i'm glad the first two books i re- reviewed were both gifts so that was fantastic um Yay. people are very nice to me yeah apart from this one here alfred look at him there he's he's a he's a mean chap but
0: he's Put him consented
1: down to it oh we can. <laughs> he's going for the teddy bear's picnic <laughs> um while we're on it though guys we've mentioned some of our co-hosts so it's a good time to mention we've started um the Animation Adventures show. We've also got a new season of Dark Place Dreamers. We finished uh, the uh, Hammer House of Horror. Thank God. And we've started doing <laughs> um the newest version, season four, which is actually House of the Dragon. And Robert and I have been joined by a new co-host, uh, Dragon Charlie. Um, so that's Dark Place Dragon Dreamers. And that uh, series has started as well. Of course, we've got plays with Carla. We've also got plays together with me and Alex. We're working through Euripides. And we've got next month's pre-recorded as well. So we've been very busy. Um, but the Euripides um, is almost finished. As well as that, I've been putting out some Music men from my archives. We've got, of course, the main Books Boys show that if you go on Patreon, you get it a day or two early usually as well. So... Um, there's a lot of stuff on there And it's really, really good So please go and Buy the things It's like three euros or dollars or pounds Or whatever <laughs> But also I will play this brief ad. The facts that will be presented are true Yes, PJ He's a daughter, He's Say Hello <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
2: Dark Place Robert and Playboy Alex. Doing all right. Glad to be here again.
1: Nobody's,
0: Nobody's like...
2: going to know
1: me from that. <laughs> carry on. Anyway, joined by Saloni. Say hello.
7: Hello, everyone.
1: Dean joined by Carla. Hello.
7: Talk about some plays. That will
1: be fun. Join us for play reviews from Shakespeare to ancient Greece, music, films, poetry, interviews. Dark Place Dreamers and more. Patreon.com slash booksboys. Honestly, if it was cheaper, we'd be paying you. So that's...
2: Hmm, that is fair. That is fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we got new stuff on there. And of course, on the main Booksboys feed, we're releasing some old episodes of some of the old plays we did, some Shakespeare's and some of our earliest episodes of Playboys Extra with Mireya, which is why she's still in the sting there. And also um, some dark, the original Dark Place Dreamers with Garth Moringi's Dark Place and The Sandman. So some of that old stuff is being released. But also, we just released a bonus episode, partly for our three-year anniversary, and partly for mm. um just because the author wanted a particular date, um. So we we talked about artificial wisdom by Thomas R. Weaver, and that episode is available as a bonus episode. It's on the feed now. Uh, came out last week, and um, well, really only a few days ago. So hopefully, everyone really liked that um extra content as well. So what What's else have next? we done just quickly? What else have we done this month? I've been dancing a lot. I've read so much stuff. We've got Halloween stuff coming on. It's been uh, so busy with a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Um, It's been a pretty hectic month, Um, but hopefully things get uh, a little bit quieter and I have a chance to read lots of books. I've actually read the first half of the first book for next month already. So I can't promise that I won't read a lot next month because I've already started, but... um. It should be good it should be good. I will mention briefly just the artificial wisdom book because it's on the feed um the interview with the author. This is a little bit of dystopian stuff mixed with it's essentially what if Solomon an AI so it's Solomon for dictator 2050.com. You can vote to make this AI dictator of the world. Um because the world humans have destroyed everything so much with the climate and everything else that we've finally admitted we're done for. And we think, well, let's have one person who can come in and fix it. And the choice is between a USA candidate or an an, an AI, basically. And And the AI is entered as a joke candidate, but ends up actually becoming in the final two. They they whittled it down from loads of candidates from around the world. You know, everyone voted on it.
2: And as an American, I would definitely vote for the AI.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then, of course, (laughs) we end up with a murder mystery. Uh, I got a Christie style scenario getting mixed in with it. The, The person who invented the AI gets killed during the campaign of the election. So then there's a lot of um, stuff, oh, you know, going like on there. Will so
2: Smith movie.
1: Yeah, overall, <laughs> it's very, very interesting. So I really, really think that people should check it out. I think that you'll really, really enjoy it. It's one of my top books of the year so far. And that's just uh, being honest. But I think we're getting another call. I think we're getting another call. Hello,
7: who's on the line? Hi, Dean. How are you getting on? It's uh, Dark Place Robert here.
1: Dark place, Robert. Robert, he of the dark, <laughs> dark places. What am I interrupting at the moment? Uh, no, we were just uh, between books. You
7: called it at the perfect
1: time. And uh, it is... <laughs> the Anniversario! Yay! <laughs> Woo.
2: Year three.
7: Yeah. Year three. I remember this uh, year two. Um I can't believe we've been at this for a year now. Or, well, I've, I've been at this for a year.
1: Yeah, Robert likes to think that he is like, oh, I just did like a podcast or two. I didn't really do a lot. I think you've done like 30 something episodes, Robert. You've actually done a lot more podcasts than you think. <laughs> there's
2: oh. just so many episodes <laughs> for TV shows, but then also like Macbeth. Yeah. and.
7: Yeah. I, I think the issue is there's no substance really to anything I do. Like, <laughs> Don't say that. There's always substance to your. Oh,
1: see, Alex being nice there. I was just going to laugh it off there. Alex with the compliments.
2: <laughs> to be fair, I haven't listened to much of it.
1: <laughs> um, we, I was just telling them about five minutes ago, Robert, that we finally, finally uh, put to bed the Hammer House of Horror and started a new show somewhere. Oh, we're, we're happy I with he- that.
7: <laughs> I heard you loved it, Robert. I loved it at the start. It was really, really great. And then, like the House of played, there, there was nothing on earth like it. It was just perfect, <laughs> and amazing, Everything about that episode i highly recommend everything after that was just kind of you peaked and it's just waiting for it to finish now yeah pretty much well mm-hmm. while you're with us do you have a book recommendation a book recommendation i think i recommended a while ago the name of the wind i mm-hmm. uh, can't remember the author high fantasy not sure if it'd be your speed but i i really enjoyed the uh, the writing style
0: okay
1: oh, i think uh, that we talked also, about it before
7: actually, and it did seem good Actually, a legitimate one that I would recommend for yourself that I think you would really enjoy is My Cousin Rachel by Daphne Du. Can't remember her name either. Um, It's just this kind of Victorian drama about um, a love affair between a young man and his uh, cousin's widow. Okay. But they're not quite sure if the cousin actually killed or sorry, if the widow killed the cousin, so it's this kind of thriller-esque novel. I think you'd enjoy it.
1: Sounds good. Let me ask you why you're here, because I recommended you a book. I recommended you Unfettered Journey, uh, which is in my top three last year, and you did not like it. Quick reasons. I really did not like it, no. <laughs> um
7: thinking about it now, I'm trying to remember why I didn't like it, but uh, I just, just felt like it was a poor man's nineteen eighty. Yeah, I mean nothing's ever gonna With quite more beat technology 1984. in the um I think it was just because it was that kind of same genre and it was held up against 1984 and it was, that's the only comparison or reference point. Mm. Maybe it was trying too hard, but I I just didn't enjoy it. I think you didn't like the physics either.
1: I enjoyed having physics and philosophy and everything combined, but I think uh, you, you didn't like that.
7: I don't like the way that it was presented. It's like no academic really, I didn't feel like it was a legitimate academic argument everything seemed a little bit like uh, an actual philosophy Hmm. essay that was dressed up in a novel that's Uh, why I liked it (laughs) (laughs) I think it would have been better if there was kind of like I'm writing a synopsis for a book or if there was some other kind of medium that they actually could have talked about these things in that way but it just seemed a little bit too too dumbed down obviously it had to be accessible to the audience but that is not how academics would Hmm. have talked
1: okay so do we give it a yeah 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 or do we send it down the gutter
7: uh, we do this now. It, uh, is there not just like a middle of the road that it's like, they oh, it's I had to do the same Too thing? Too late. It's down the gutter.
1: I was just sad. I give it a yeah, 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 by the way. I think the author was fantastic and I loved talking to him and I loved his book, but eh, not that everything's for everyone. Oh, oh no. I, I hope nobody's personally offended by that. <laughs> he was a lovely chap as well. No, I I think it was fantastic, but that, that's, that's a perfectly good opinion to have as well. Um, we need to maybe find a middle of the road uh, uh, option but uh,
7: no because then no one will put anything down the gutter no <laughs> well no that I feel like down the gutter has to be reserved for books that you'd actually like really did not enjoy and yeah that it needs to be. Like, we haven't buttons. said what's at the bottom of the
1: gutter like it might not be too bad
2: like would you <laughs> put uh, this sci-fi book down the gutter and this is the same gutter that March would have gone
1: down Middlemarch would have gone down the gutter.
2: I mean, so
7: Together? Is, is it more insulting that this book did not inspire any emotion to be put into like a yeah 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 or down the gutter? Is uh, there like is it more offensive to be put in the meh category? Maybe in
1: some gutter? maybe in some way it is,
7: yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, either way know. you're mean. <laughs> either way I mean, <laughs> because i didn't find this book moving so, no I, it's grand I'll tell you what really put me off actually can i can i actually jump in because i've just go, remembered go what really just put me off the book was the protagonist can't remember his name was it Winston? no that's that's 1984 no, um that's... the main yeah. protagonist um he's housing this fugitive yeah and all that was running through my mind was it was really inappropriate the way he was looking at her the way he was thinking about her Mm. And it wasn't romantic It was a vulnerable woman that he was He still sleeps up. there And that yeah. really just Gave me the creep And yeah I I did not enjoy that And I thought if you actually changed the gender Of the fugitive Would you have given that person Yeah So yeah, it sounds like that's miserable. a fair
1: point And you did have an emotional reaction <laughs> you, had, you had an emotional reaction to something That it's
7: it was fair to not like You know? I did like a lot of the arguments and discussions, but that was kind of a a side thing that I was able to Mm -hmm. read and think like, ah, I do like the philosophy, but not the way it's presented.
1: Okay. You know what? That's grand. Robert, thank you for calling in and helping us to celebrate.
7: Yay! Three years of books, boys. And congratulations, Dean and Alex as well. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. bye (laughs) bye dreams, everyone. Ah, oh,
1: thank you to to Robert for calling in. Um cool. Where were we?
0: Uh
2: well you were just were Do you we? know what?
1: I'm gonna do my next <laughs> book in three minutes. How's that?
2: That sounds great.
1: <laughs> I've read Nancy Mitford's Madame de Pompadour. Never heard of Nancy Mitford. Um So this might not have been a novel. <laughs> It's only 200 pages, and as I read it... You know that I like dialogue, and I don't like books that don't have a lot hmm. of dialogue. This has no dialogue. Um, somehow I liked it because it was still written in a fun style. It was written in an almost Dickensian oh. level of humour in the narrative, so she got away with not having dialogue. Um, but then I noticed each chapter is like about a different topic and has a separate bibliography, and then I think I've read a textbook. Oh. <laughs> I think this might not be a novel. Um, so, what
2: she's what is she giving like information about?
1: So she's telling us about Madame de Pompadour, who was a mistress of the French King of one of the lilies. Mm. So basically, the quick look. I did enjoy the book, but the quick summary is um, Louis the Fourteenth has just died after a long 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 reign longest in history actually still and they say you know he outlived his son he outlived his grandson he even outlived the eldest of his great grandsons and that might not have been a good thing for the country now Louis XV has come to power most of his you know his parents and everything like that are all dead because like he's a couple of generations below mm-hmm. Louis XIV and he's dealing with becoming a boy king you know young king And um, he's listened to his advisors and things like that. And he's uh, he's almost playful at the beginning. And some of the things, it's like, oh, he's just kind of having fun, and he's like happy that he gets to put on a nice uniform and be a nice, you know, fancy guy. Um, But then as he gets older, he's not that good with his wife. There's a creepy bit where they try to give him a Spanish princess, but he's like 15 and she's five or something. And they say, you'll have to wait 10 years before you can sleep with her. And he's like, she's very little. I don't want her. <laughs> Sent her away.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's decent reaction from him.
1: Yeah. But he does eventually get married. And I think it ends up into the sister of the original one or something. Um, and then he takes mistresses. And just openly right there in the palace, like, here's my mistress. We're to get, you know. And it actually says at one point, like, no one respected the queen's opinion on anything. Nobody talked to her. Nobody paid her any attention because she was not able to influence the king on anything. So Madame de Pompadour gets all the attention. But of course, when the king makes bad decisions, the mistress immediately gets all the blame for things as well. Mm. Um, and there's stuff like that in it, you know. But at one point, he mentioned the king pays all her debts. And this says he would never have done that for his wife, even though he's rich and, you know. It's a shame the way he treats her, to be honest. I liked the first half a lot. And I think everything I've mentioned is really in the first half. The first half, I think you could trick yourself into thinking it was a novel because you're reading the story. I think by the second half, it does just become a lot more. This chapter is about this topic. This chapter is a- here's home policy. Here's foreign policy. You know, oh. it, it, it isn't really. a not. It stops being a novel. And I I lost me a little bit in the second half. But overall, it was quite nice. And It's a shame, of course, that he had multiple different um, mistresses and things like that. I think over time, Madame de Pompadour is just the longest and most famous of them, but there were others. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to waste time talking about it too much because I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. I don't think it is an important book but it was well-written and I have to give kudos to Nancy Mitford for writing something that is essentially a history textbook and making it seem like a fun novel to read, to be honest.
2: You know, some of those can be really, really good. And a lot of the, well, my last two nonfiction books I read were just beautifully written. And one was about like some of the history of physics, like 1900s physics. And then Mm -hmm. another one was about maths from basically pythagoras to early 2000s and mm. one of the my probably my number two book of all time like so okay. you can make the history interesting yeah it works well
1: yeah usually i don't read a lot of nonfic. um there is a yeah. funny little bit as well where the the one person who really doesn't like the mistress is actually voltaire and he appears in the book and is uh not happy with a few bits and pieces. Um, I just thought I'd mention that. But look, it's um, this is sad because it is a decent book. But if I'm being honest, it lost me in the second half. And although it's written in a nice, witty way, that made me enjoy it. I think overall, I wouldn't recommend it. And I think it's got to go down the gutter.
2: Oh, OK. That is unfortunate.
1: But it nearly made it.
2: Yeah, it sounded like in the middle half there. It sounded like you were going to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think a if it had decision,
1: just picked up a little bit near the end. I would have given it a yeah, yeah, yeah. It it just kind of lost me, you know. And honestly, it is only two hundred pages. So for a book to lose you, it's not good, you know. Mm. If it had been yeah, a five hundred okay, page pages. book, yeah. If it was five hundred pages, it's okay to say oh, I'd lost me in the second half. It's only two hundred, you know. Mm. So that's the real reason that I think it had to go down the gutter in the end. But there we go. Welcome back to part two with the Dean and Alex, the Books Boys. Woo. I- we have two more, but we'll get to those in a moment. Um, let's just see what we can do now. You've got one more as well, I think. So yes. we'll get to that in a moment as well. Oh, but bear with me a second. I think the phone is ringing one more time. I'm just going to go check who's on the line. I'll be right back. Hello, you're through the books, boys. You've got Dean on the line. Who's calling?
8: Uh, it's Gary Braver calling.
1: Yeah, Gary Thank you so much for calling in. And we were actually just last month talking about your, your splendid book, which I still have beside me here, Rumour yeah, of Evil. Yes, thank you so much for sending it out. And sure. I should acknowledge you were you were kind enough actually to give me a little personalization. We have a little note on the inside um for my books boys friends in Northern Ireland. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, that's sure. <laughs> And how are you doing today?
8: Doing fine. Uh, in fact, about four years ago, my wife and I were in Northern Ireland and doing the, the typical touristy thing. We were stopping at Belfast and a giant causeway and mm-hmm, London berries sure. and had a great time. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, Nice.
1: I, um, my co-host lives in Belfast at the moment. I'm, I live in uh, Lisburn, so it's just well, 15 minutes away, um, but we're, we're still in County Antrim. So you've been around. What did you think of the place? You liked it?
8: I loved it. Yes. yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You you know know what the scenery is like? I was was really taken by the um, Titanic Memorial Museum, which is amazing. And then some of the Neolithic sites, I think Knoth or Knoth, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Uh, And then the extraordinary formations of the Giant's Causeway, the the rock formations. It's an amazing place. The
1: Causeway is very spectacular. I've actually never been to the Titanic Museum, um, surprisingly. I've been outside it a million times, but I've actually never gone inside
8: All right <laughs> I, I, I where are you in fact?
1: I'm in Lisburn, so I'm just a few minutes away from Belfast, twenty minutes maybe. okay okay,
8: right, okay, right, right, yeah. we had an interesting time in Belfast, had a great tour saw the wall with all the you know the, the stuff that was written on it um and I heard about the troubles a lot and uh, uh yeah, yeah, it was an amazing place, yeah. yeah,
1: fantastic. well, I want to talk a little bit today about your book you've been you've been so kind as to call in and i I read the book and we reviewed it on the show um so let me ask
8: you how long have you been writing for. Uh this is my 10th novel and it's uh, almost 40 years the first novel came out just about the time my first child was born and then I put a <laughs> it, it put a damper on it for about 10 or 15 years but in the 90s uh, the others Started coming out until this recent one, yeah. Okay, but I was teaching teaching full time at Northeastern University, so it was a it was hard to juggle the time and 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 get into it. But yeah, this is a I've been writing for almost forty years, yeah. So
1: that's a long period of time, and you mentioned there was a big gap in the middle as well. How has your style evolved during
8: that time? That's a good question. When I first started, I used to outline extensively, and at one point, I had ninety pages single space, and I said, "Man." Three of these, and you got a novel. So, and <laughs> about a third the way through, you know, I, you you vector off in a different direction from what you had outlined. Yeah. And uh, and I said, why am I doing this? So this last book, I just jumped in. It was a dark and stormy night, and went from there. Uh, and yeah. and over the course of the time, um, I started writing shorter books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first one, uh, Elixir, well. The fourth one, Elixir, came out in 2000, early 2000, and it was 500 pages. And people don't like reading a long book sometimes, particularly in the mysteries or thrillers, as these mm-hmm. are. So this is only about 320 something pages. I also became aware of um, of how the world of readers was changing. The um, the majority of books in America, at least, are purchased by women, often over the age of 50. So oh, you have wow. to watch, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, about 80% of the books are, are purchased by women. It's also true of men's ties also. Um, and you have to watch out. Um, you don't offend. Um, you don't make, you know, a, a crass jokes about women or whatever. And, uh, and so yeah, there is another layer of of editing that goes on. So one has to be aware of one's audience.
1: Yeah. Of course. It's interesting yeah. you mentioned the style changing, because if we look at two roughly contemporary authors, you've got crime books like Agatha Christie and comedy books like P.G. Woodhouse. And I always make this comparison because they're both short books. They both write 200 page books, both very successful. Right. Agatha Christie sat down and wrote with no preparation, really. P.G. Woodhouse wrote 100 pages of notes like you were doing in the beginning <laughs> and yeah. then edited it into a book. And it's interesting yeah. you've got those two distinct styles that can both work.
8: <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, and the thing is, one has to trust one's instinct that you're going to know where to go once you once you start something. The um, I often leave a scene kind of un- open ended and hoping the next morning when I wake up I click back in. But uh, yeah, and um, the style has changed. Also, I've gotten more psychologically intense in my character developments um, and uh, know how to know how to alternate action scenes with reflection scenes, action scenes with reflection scenes, so mm-hmm. that you, you give time to develop the characters while he or she is is reflecting on what had just happened. Uh, and and that's how characters are developed. Yeah.
1: Okay. So something happening, time to kind of take stock and and it keep doing those essentially.
2: Right. Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: And, and this particular book, you know, you can maybe tell me, but we have, you know, a lot of stuff said in the present and then we have, you know, a lot of stuff said nineteen years ago. So how Correct. does how does it um how does that change your process? Are you writing almost two separate stories and linking them up, or are you having to kind of do it together?
8: Um, the first thing you said is true. I knew that I was going to have a current investigation about an about a murder in the opening, discovered in the opening scene, mm-hmm. and I wanted it to connect to a cold case, a backstory from 19 years ago. Um, so I. Uh, I have a file, like any other crime novelist, I have a file of disturbing, strange crimes, real-life crimes. And one came out of 2014. I have a small town in Wisconsin, um, in which two 12-year-old girls lured another 12-year-old girl into the woods, and they stabbed her 19 times.
0: Oh, goodness. And
8: when the police got them, they asked for an explanation, and they said they were they were in the belief that they had to sacrifice their girlfriend to appease an online cartoon character known as Slender Man. As I heard as, about you
1: this. Know yes. about it, you know?
8: And they were free, and it's some kind of archetypal, uh, a Pied Piper who goes after children. And they believed if they didn't sacrifice their girlfriend, Slender Man would kill their families, um, which is certainly irrational, it's certainly crazy. But that fascinated me. And what particularly fascinated me is the research I did into bullying. Um, and in, in the States, and I'm sure in the UK, um, adolescence, it's, it's a scourge of adolescent life of, to be bullied by someone in school. Of course, know, yeah. Physically is, psychologically, the it, 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 it damage, And that is what led me, led me into this particular backstory of the girl from Slovakia coming to mm. town outside of Boston. Yeah.
1: And it's interesting yeah. because she wants to, to fit in, she wants to Americanize a little bit, change her dress, make some friends, you know, right. she wants to fit in with the family. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, initially I was thinking, oh this is a nice story, she's you know, Vadima she's 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 gonna fit in with them. But you're right, it is essentially a case of bullying when we when we boil it down. It is her not really being accepted by the friend group and exactly. and eventually them turning on her. Um Good. Now, the book is, of course, as you say, it's essentially a book about te- set with teenage girls. So how do you go about it? Because approaching that, like that's a totally different perspective than, than your own.
8: Right. Sure. Um, one of the one of the profiles of a bully is so after someone who is perceived as being different, uh, weak, soft, uh, physically, they may be over, overweight, they may be underweight, they may be tall and gangly, they may walk with a limp. And their behavior might be a little strange, too. They might uh, talk with a lisp or talk with a foreign accent, or they come from a different demographics. You know, they're poor, yeah. whatever. So ultimately, they pick on the outsider. And I tried to conceive of an outsider, and I made her a uh, uh, an exchange student from a rural pig farm in Slovakia of yeah. Romani, a, a Roma extraction. Um, and, and as things are going along, there's, there's a pizza party in the story, and it's is after the kids have so much fun Americanizing her. But at a pizza party, she's doing palm reading, and something very strange happens. Then a few weeks later, bad things start happening to her, her friends there and the friends' families, and that starts the rumors flying that you know she's she's Romany, aren't those gypsies? And don't gypsies put curses on people and didn't they bring on the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages? And don't they drink the blood of Christian babies and pray to Satan? And uh, aren't they witches in disguise? Yeah. And that is where the rumors started flying. Yeah,
1: and on one layer, you can think, well, it's you know, it's silly teenage nonsense. But then you have to realize it's the serious, dangerous ramifications of that. Uh, exactly. and, and of course, the book explores that. You didn't shy away from wo- tackling that topic about this sort of. Almost the racism, the prejudice against against those people. You dive straight into that.
8: Yes, I got straight into that, but I also also wanted to make it clear how dangerous it is that you take stereotypes of people and the rumors mount until you know someone might get hurt or killed, yeah. and that's what that's what I was I was dealing with. Um, and you know we see this everywhere in in in, a, in the United States. There's an issue with immigrant problems. You have immigrants are you know they carry carry diseases and they're they're they you know going to crime. So it's tapped into that but also in a sense it it harkens back to 1692 and just outside of boston in salem massachusetts where 19 people were executed because they were accused of witchcraft yeah salem trust yeah exactly it's crazy
1: to think that we did that but we did you know that was a thing that happened in society and and you know even in Europe we had medieval issues with people thinking that that ladies were witches and everything. So it's, it's been an ongoing thing. You also are not afraid to tackle, I mean, I don't want to kind of give too many spoilers about the intricacies of the story, but there is one part where the girl is actually also essentially being sexually abused by, by one of the adult characters in the book. And again, you're not afraid to, to jump into the tough topics.
8: Right. Right. Yeah. It it is a hot topic. And what is interesting about that, and it, we've seen this, uh, police have seen this oftentimes, that why didn't the female go to the police, blow a whistle, and complain yeah. that this guy did this to me? Oftentimes, when a woman is violated, she freezes. And this was interesting in terms of the research. Women freeze. They suddenly think, I, I brought this on. There's this self-blame. Uh, I, I, you know, I, was, I, I, I can't believe I was so violated. Don't want to bring that up to the authorities. So that I found very interesting, and also she, this this young woman in the book, um, there'd be consequences if she if she blew a whistle, yeah. if she went to the authorities. And I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was it was a tough subject to tackle, but it made sense and sure, it all. yeah.
1: And how difficult was it to kind of put yourself in the perspective of a of a you know sixteen year old teenage girl to to write? Yeah. It? If you ask me, I would have no idea, like what to how to start that, you know, right.
8: Well, I've had two kids I, who passed through their teenage years, and I knew their friends. And also, I, I, having taught over 40 years at at Northeastern University, I get okay. freshmen who are just 18 years old, and they're just you know about the same age as the the female in the book. So I I hear them talk, and I get this. The sense of their mindset <laughs> and the paranoia. <laughs>
1: cool. And, I mean, I think it's certainly, it's, it's done well. It's, it's It all seems, you know, realistic enough as well. So that you've right. done a very good job of it. And um, what's next then? Have you started Have you started on the next book or have you got some yes. ideas?
8: Yeah, good good point. Um, This is the first of a series. And the contract I signed said, we want you to do a series. So the second one is already done. It's called Heat of the Moment. And I'm partway through the third one. Using the same two detectives. uh Macian, Mandy, yeah. Yeah, and Andy, right, exactly. Um, and they're fun to work with. I, I now know them and they each have their baggage. One of the way to, um, one of the ways to attract readers is not so much a detection, but the detectives. And you always, I always, it's always makes sense to pick out a protagonist has the most to lose. So each one has baggage. The, 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 the male Kirk is uh, separated from his wife because a child was hit by a car a year, a year or so ago and it, they never got over that Great Depression. Um, so they separated you know, out of, uh, in their gloom. And Mandy is a woman married to a woman with a child and so she is in a traditionally male, straight male profession, so she had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So they each have their, their, their baggage and their demons to get over uh, while they're investigating the yeah. case.
1: Yeah. And that, I mean that's something I liked even reading this book is that you see that they have their own lives outside of work they're not too they're not one dimensional characters they've got their own yeah. stuff going on Kirk's got his own separation and everything yeah. I really like the stuff of personal relationships so I like to bring that in and that's really good yes. um but of course the Thank you. the thing that the main takeaway and the thing that I never forget is just thinking about what happens to the poor girl, you know what happens to Badima it's, it's so sad, and uh, I think that's the bit that I'll remember, you know, in a year's time or or whatever. That's the that'll be my main takeaway. It's like, oh, the, that poor girl, you know.
8: Yes, yes, yeah. For me too. I mean, I was <laughs> I was penned writing some of those scenes. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, it, but it it made sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do you want to tell us all before I let you go where we can uh, get the book?
8: Yes. Uh Right now, it comes out next Tuesday, October tenth. Uh but they can they can order online, pre-order that on Amazon and Kobo and and, and and Google Play and many of the other uh online sites. Yeah. And oh. hopefully at any bookstore in and Northern Ireland uh this I order it, sure.
1: Fantastic. And do you have a
8: website? Uh, pardon me?
1: Have you got your own website?
8: Uh I have my own oh yeah. Right. Uh WWW Gary Braver dot com.
1: Perfect. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so they can go and have a look around and and read a little bit more about it. I'll ask you the the last question that we ask to everyone who calls into the show. (laughs) um, If there's any existing book that you wish you had been the person to write, what would it be?
8: Wow. (laughs) Um, For about 30 years, I taught a horror fiction course in which I use Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Mm. And I wish I had written that.
1: I think it's uh, a good choice. Yeah, can't go wrong. Yeah, with it's a great Stephen King. I
8: also wish, wish I had written some uh, kind of French's books, like The Searcher, which I absolutely loved. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, I, could, I can rattle off a long list. <laughs> <laughs> a third the third one was The Silence of the Lambs which I think is brilliant.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Good
8: choices. Good choices. I mean, the, the, the only book I know of where the author managed to make sympathetic a psychopathic cannibal in Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it's hard work to make, uh, to make a villain sympathetic, but it can be yeah, done. <laughs>
8: yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs>
1: well, Gary, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, have a great thank afternoon. You. And thank um, you. For having I for everyone will check out the book.
8: Thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: Take care. <laughs> well, there we go. Thank you so much. Um, to the author for calling in, um, Gary Braver, Rumor of Evil. We reviewed it on last month's show and uh, how nice of him to call in and chat with us about it here on Books Boys on our three-year oh. anniversary episode. Yay! Oh, yeah. There we go.
2: Could you not get uh Randy Savage version? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I should have got Randy Savage. You should have got a um, Randy Savage one. But yeah, so that's <laughs> uh, that's that. Uh, I will take a quick break to mention uh, I spoke a few moments ago, uh, a while back, I guess now, about artificial wisdom and the bonus episode that we released. And I've just remembered I have a second copy of that book. So the first person who would like it, just email booksboys at hotmail.com and the first one I get. Uh, I will post the book to you as a celebration because we have, of course, hit three years, and I thought it would be a nice thing to do. So the first person to email booksboys.hotmail.com will get to celebrate with a free book. Yay!
2: <laughs> the most <laughs> underwhelming version. That was underwhelming,
1: actually. <laughs> I was waiting
2: for the clap. But... No, but it but, uh, yeah, sounds so like it was it. a really good book, so...
1: Yeah, it was a fantastic book. <clears throat> and also, let's quickly mention... Our sponsor for this month, we are in, we are of course sponsored by the Corporation for releasing something that turns out to not actually be a novel, but a history textbook. Gov. Uh, this is a good way to educate the kids. Actually, yeah, yeah disguise yeah. disguise your history books as um, or any books. Do it with. We saw actually Robert talked about uh, disguising a philosophy essay as, as as a book as well. So let's start doing this. <laughs>
2: You see, I'm glad it was the government who came up with this idea. Like, yeah, um, sounds like it'll be really good.
1: It'd be really good, yeah.
2: And not and we go down just, the gutter,
1: not go down the gutter. We can definitely <laughs> disguise all of our our academic books as novels. Interestingly, as well, though, most Actually, of the books are yes. yeah, most of the books I've read this month have been pretty short as well. Um, none of these authors have uh, engaged the Anna Karenina method um of uh the 700 page farming manual. I say that a lot and I I I should mention that I really liked Anna Karenina. I, I think I fa- I failed to, to mention that sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Alex, do you want to tell us the next thing that you read?
2: Sure. So the next one I read uh was a Spanish play. So Ooh. I mean it's it's outside my normal area
1: uh-huh. uh, well, that's but... a- cheating. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, it is still within the normal Spanish, but I, I kind of had to. I was going through my theater anthology book. It's like a 2000 page book. It is fantastic. I love this thing. I've had it since I was in uni the first time. Um, I, Wadsworth Theater Anthology, sixth edition. I will take this wherever I go. Anyway, enough talking about that. So I was going through it and looking for plays. There seems to be only like one major spanish play and it's from the 1600s and Mm -hmm. it's from calderon de la barca which most people do not seem to know which is surprising to me it's
1: shocking When i've read a lot of spanish plays okay some of them are more modern but i've also read some 1600s spanish stuff yeah Um, i've never heard of this and a little bit of ega which I, I've got a few on my shelf, which I would like to get to. Maybe I'll read them sometime. Whether it's some books, boys or playboys, I don't know. But this guy, I, I'd never heard of, so I was very surprised.
2: Which is interesting to me. So, uh, what I love about this book, it doesn't just have the plays; it has a little bit of the history of the authors, and also some more academic uh, pieces inside of it. What they have about Calderón um, de la Barca it says that after Vega died, he became the most important uh, playwright of his
5: time.
2: So Vega helped start the theater movement in Spain and Calderón de la Barca, he continued it. Um, He even became, what is it? Um, He was knighted by Philip IV and became the principal court playwright in 1636. So this is just post-Shakespeare, which is kind of interesting uh there was a to be or not to be reference in here um i believe at least one shakespeare reference i forget if that was the exact one but i thought that's kind of interesting that shakespeare's plays might have also gone to spain i I would be interested to know what the spanish version says Mm. but that's the background uh for him this play is actually set in poland so nothing to do with spain oh right right okay yeah nothing to do with spain Uh, just written by uh, a Spanish playwright. Uh, This is considered his probably his most important play, too, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, So this play, basically, so a king had gotten, he he was told from the stars, basically, that his son is going to end up, like, kind of, I guess, evil in a way. There's going to be a lot of death and destruction in the city uh, if he were uh, to become king. So, what the king did was he locked him away mm-hmm. for many, many years, and you can kind of see where this is going because that just leads to the prophecy more or less coming true. Yeah, but it's a slight spoiler. There's also kind of another story going on. You have this woman coming from, I believe it's she's coming from Russia. She, uh, her name's, I guess, Rosara. R-O-S-A-U-R-A? Rosara?
1: R-O-S-A-U... Yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah. A-U is... Yeah, that's not very really Spanish, so I don't
2: know. Yeah, and she's traveling with her companion, Clarion, with, like, an instrument, and... Uh, he's basically your clown in this. Okay. Um, he's But do we hit him? <laughs> I definitely don't. He's kind of barely in it. He, he has some funny moments. Like, his first... Uh, line like 140 here was one of the first ones I remember. Basically, Segismundo is the one who is kept in the palace. Rosara is traveling, and her horse is ditched her, and her and Clarion are just trying to find somewhere. So they come across uh, Segismundo, who's jailed and being watched over um, by Clotaldo. He's just this old man, but works within the court. Okay. And Segismundo, it basically, um, is he catches uh, Rosara and says, like, she's dressed as a man for traveling purposes, and he says, so as to leave no witness of my frailty, I'll tear you into bits with these strong arms. Clarion says, I'm deaf. I wasn't able to hear that.
1: Okay. So we still have the Shakespearean style needless cross-dressing.
2: <laughs> no, this one, I mean... So a lot of the time, it is necessary uh, traveling safely. You would have the cross It only lasts for the first half of the first act. I think it's three act play. Okay, um, so just... it doesn't really last mm-hmm. long. It's fair traveling. Fair. But what happens is Quotaldo finds like, oh, these people came across Segismundo. They're they're gonna have to die. But notices that the sword that Rosara is carrying is one that he gave uh, for basically his child In a way, he had to leave it for some reason. I forget exactly, but he's like, "Oh, this person might be my child. Interesting." Hmm. So he takes her to the king, and the king at this point said, "Like, all right, so I have a plan, Segismundo. I want to give him a chance. I want to say, like, all right, you were, you can be king." we will give you a chance to be king, but if he's a bad king, we'll tell him, like, oh, what we're doing now, this is all a dream. This isn't real. Like, uh, so we can then put him back away. Um, comes in with them, says, like, oh, uh, I'm very, very sorry. These people are kind of with me, but they do know Segismundo exists. Do do we have to kill them? And the king's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I just told the people what I'm going to do. (laughs) So mm-hmm. um honestly it, it's pretty interesting you you then have basically Act two starts with them getting uh, segismundo out and he is king well he's a prince at this point he's not told that he, he's basically told like yeah you are the you're actually the prince so segismundo is pretty angry about this as you generally would be when you hear like your father kept you away locked away for your entire life hates his yeah. father of course Obviously. um <laughs> yeah at one point he one of the people one of the staff i guess like talks back to him and so segues throws him out of a window um kind of kind of funny uh the king comes in and he's like hey what happened here yeah defenestration exactly fantastic word i love that yeah um uh, one of my favorites. That and Flux pilification, meaning useless. Anyway, mm-hmm. completely off topic. So, the king uh, yeah, so Segismundo says, well, since you are for speaking out so boldly, perhaps one day you'll find out on your shoulders you have no head to place your hat upon, because people are saying, like, you uh, shouldn't be doing this. King comes in. What happened here? Segismundo says, nothing at all. A man wearied me, so I threw him in the sea.
1: Okay. <laughs> and, yeah.
2: Yeah. And then So Rosara's here, and she's a lady-in-waiting. At this point, Clarion is just kind of in the court as well. Clarion says, like, hey, be careful, that's the king. Um, And (laughs) the king says, so on your first day so soon, you're coming here has cost a life. Zegzmodo says, he said I couldn't, so I want a bet. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: (laughs) And, yeah, it has some really good things like that. Sounds Uh, like it's quite humorous. It, it kind of is. It, it's minimal. It really is minimal. But it definitely has some good moments to it like that, that really lifts lifts it up and makes it a little lighthearted. Um, so Sigismundo sees th- there's kind of another important bit here that I haven't talked about. Astolfo, he's a duke. He is the one who was supposed to be betrothed to Rosara. She, he came here basically to marry Stella, who's a princess in Poland, um, so yeah, Rosara is actually not here. Like she, she really doesn't like um, Astolfo that much at this point, and Stella's not going to marry Astolfo yet because he has like Rosara's picture around his neck, but she doesn't know who it is. Even though that's her wait- lady in waiting, okay. <laughs>
1: Maybe should know, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess she just doesn't get to see who's in the picture. Maybe it's closed, uh, it's clasped.
1: Yeah, yeah, I that would be fair.
2: So, Segismundo Mundo sees Stella and is like, well, she shouldn't be called a star. She looks like the sun, she's beautiful. Mm. And then she sees Reza- he sees Rosara later, and like, you're also beautiful, I-, I want you. And she tries to get out of there, she has no interest, and he gets kind of forceful in a way, um, but she eventually gets away.
0: Okay.
1: I guess. Good.
2: And skipping a little bit, he is locked back away because we know he's not going to be a good king. He's already killing people and causing problems. Um, he gets into a fight with Astolfo. Uh, he almost kills uh, Rosara's father. <laughs> and, like, there's lots of fighting going on course he's put away then is told it's a dream all everything's all right and then you have uh the people this is act three now the people uh here like oh the prince is alive we want him and break him out <laughs> and then he has an army on his side and then goes against uh basil the king Then Rosara joins them. Clarion was put in jail because he apparently knew secrets. And there's some uh, comedy with that. They have confused Clarion for uh, Sigismundo. Mm. Small thing, just more lightheartedness. And then a war happens.
0: (laughs) Right. Okay.
2: Clarion dies. He's... The clown dies. And just kind of off-screen... Segismundo wins the war. Basil, the king, says, right, uh, I lose. Go ahead, take my head. Um, and Segismundo says, you know what? I'm going to let you live. I'm um, feeling generous. For... Something changed here. I have no idea what changed. And Basil's like, wow, that was a very wise decision. You are now worth being king. We're all good.
0: Good.
2: <laughs> uh, okay. And it ends, like, the Shakespearean way, like, all right, so Segismundo gets uh, Stella, Rosaro. Rosario.
1: She... Yeah, everyone pairs off and so forth.
2: Yeah. Uh, Astolfo didn't want to marry Rosaro, but he then hears, oh, her father is uh... he's this old man here. I completely forgot his name. Cortaldo. Yeah. So, okay. everything well, is good in that case.
1: Let me but... ask you, Does Mm. this make you want to read more Spanish plays? Because this sounds very different to, for example, Lorca or the history of a staircase or some of the stuff that you are aware of, having read or seen.
2: Yeah, that's definitely more modern. This feels Shakespearean. Mm. There's just one last story point I want to point out. So everyone's happy. Then the first soldier, he comes in. He says, if thus you treat a man who never served you, what about me who led the revolution and brought you from your dungeon in the tower? What will you give me? Like, yeah, I-, I helped free you. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I get? Sigmund says, the same tower and dungeon from which you never shall emerge till death. No traitor is of use after his treason.
0: Whoa,
1: <laughs> what that's a bit you.
2: Mean. I feel like, yeah, the king and Sigmund. Ooh to that
1: guy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but then everyone's like, how wise and prudent. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, this is this was so different from what I was expecting. Um, it really was like a lost Shakespeare play to me.
1: Okay. Um I've not yet read obviously i have not heard of this guy, but I've not actually yet yeah. read Lope de Vega. I just have a couple. Um but I've read Cervantes mm. both novels and some short stories and things. And I mean I've read long books like Clarine and some of the some of the old Spanish stuff, especially when it's a person page book, can be tough to get through. But mm. this sounds like a fun play. Like this sounds like it would be enjoyable.
2: It's about 2200 lines. It's not too bad at all to get through. Um, a bit shorter reacts... than a Shakespeare, a bit longer than a Greek
1: play. Yeah. Exactly.
2: It's in between. Uh, yeah, uh, Easily a yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, like, hold on, it, it hold was... on. Yeah. There we go.
0: <laughs> you weren't ready. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I could absolutely recommend this. Some of the some of the characters' goals or what they're thinking it doesn't make a lot of sense in the third act at times i think i would have to go through it a second or third time to really get the motivations
1: yeah it sounds like you you either you lost it or it wasn't well written or something but at some point the motivations maybe got confusing
2: that would be my biggest gripe with it um so it's not perfect it's not perfect but i would i would recommend it to anybody um anybody who's interested in like that time period, it's um, it was fun. And it's not hard to read. It's not going to be as hard to read as Shakespeare. Um, I think anyone would generally be able to read it. You just have to be able to get through these sometimes long monologues. Mm-hmm. Um, one at the end was about 150 lines. There was one at the beginning that was about 200. Um, there's a lot of repeating things that have already happened. But, you know,
1: um, it kind of comes with the territory. No, oh, sounds good. It nice. gets a yeah yeah yeah. Well, yep. I have a little bit more to do, but before I mention it, it's actually funny, I said earlier, just I, I took a quick one minute aside and I was like, So what have I done this month? I've been doing dancing, whatever. Of course I'm dancing, I'm doing salsa. I've also started doing a cookery class. But I totally forgot to mention I took I went on holiday. <laughs> like this month <laughs> has felt so strange that I forgot I literally went on holiday. Like when oh, sorry, a month ago I went to see Dark Place Robert and also was able to catch up with some other friends uh, over there, including Saloni, some others that, that have never been on the show, so I won't name them. But I was able to catch up with a bunch of friends over in London. And then just two weeks after that, I went to Spain. I was there for Día de la Hispanidad. I saw some beautiful Roman ruins in, in Merida. Saw some ska gigs. It has been a very busy month full of plenty of activities.
2: And you also failed to mention one of the biggest things, which is you started a new job.
1: <laughs> this is true that yeah that should Didn't be even cross your mind i never really yeah it's, it's something i, mean, I never it's... talk about but yeah i also yeah, started yeah. a new job
2: <laughs> not necessary to work talk about because you don't really it's work yeah don't dream of but yeah done. i've had
1: a, a pretty hectic month and yet i still got a lot of reading in so for anyone out there who has not got a lot of reading in you're failing you're doing it wrong
5: Oh, nice You were nice Harris.
1: earlier, I think. Was it when Iris called in? Yeah, yes. you were like, if you're not reading a lot, uh, it's it's grand. And I was like, no, it's not.
2: No, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm not saying like if you're not reading a lot, it's grand. I'm saying if you're not reading a lot, it's okay to read a little bit. <laughs> like, you don't need to be reading a ton. But as long as you're reading.
0: Yeah, of like,
1: course. That's I That's fantastic. I, je- I partially jest. And- <laughs> Actually, since Sports we've said chest, I think that that feels like a good time to play the um to bring in our medieval uh revelers who were um, <music> yay! So, congratulations to the Books Boys podcast on three years of talking about books. Okay, Well, where's the guys? Now is your time to cheer. Now is your time to cheer. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. okay you just... Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, down, the,
2: the light switch wasn't working. Uh, they weren't yeah, getting the applaud didn't,
1: didn't now get it. sign.
2: This was Alfred's job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, yeah, we were paying the big bucks. He doesn't... I think he doesn't always earn it, you know, but it's, it's yeah,
2: debatable. But he's cute.
1: He's cute. Um, quick question before I move on to my last two books, because it you know, in addition to being the anniversary, I mentioned earlier that it is also Halloween. Quickly. That was actually not even good. That's better. Number one, number one Halloween movie pick for the listeners.
2: Oh jeez. Best Halloween movie pick?
1: And not the comedy of you, terrors. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, basically every Halloween I re-watch a Nightmare on Elm Street film. I would say to yeah. everybody to watch the first one, but I you know, I mix it up and I watch different ones. One, three, four, um, or New Nightmare. And of course I love the old Christopher Lee Draculas, so those are usually my two. If you want something more modern, Babadook. Uh, not really Halloween-y necessarily, but it's just a good... It's a movie that has scared me. So those are my picks.
2: Yeah... Uh that is such a hard question. Um, So, I guess I... I do enjoy Nightmare Before Christmas. That one's always been really nice. But I can't say it's, like, the best.
1: It's Mm-mm. just fun.
2: Um, I guess it doesn't
1: have to be the best for it to be your pick, you know? For it to be your favorite or just one that you like. Yeah.
2: So if I'm talking about ones that I would watch often for Halloween, yes, that would be it, probably. Uh, I would watch it more often than any others.
5: Mm. Fair.
1: We'll
5: say that. That's your pick. I read
1: two more books. Um, The first one, I know that I always say I don't read a lot of Latin American literature. You told me to try something different, so I read a Latin American book. Of course, it's Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, or Gabriel García Márquez. Um, if you want to pronounce it like Spain, Spanish. It's La Mala Hora. Um, then it would be
2: incorrect because she's Latin American. We still has have to pronounce, pronounce
1: still to pronounce it properly. still have to pronounce it properly. That's not proper. <laughs> anyway. We could have the same debate about English and American English and we would still Ask disagree. Ours is older. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a short book, by the way. So the reason I picked it up was... It's less than two hundred pages, but one hundred and eighty pages. It looked like it had a decent amount of dialogue in it, which is unusual for Latin American books. And I thought, okay, in my experience, and so I thought I'd give it a go. Hmm. Quite middle of the road. Okay, I it was all right, but uh, obviously not not one of the two like super famous ones by by Marquez, of course. But it was fine, you know. Noana Carrera method has been employed. It is sub two hundred pages, but I liked it more than most Latin American books that I've read. So for that reason, I guess it's I'm happy with it. Um, it's even made me consider reading another Mario Vargas Llosa, which maybe in the next month or two I'll I'll think about. But um, yeah, I'd like to get back and read a little bit more Latin American literature. If I if it looks like there's enough dialogue in it, it's just... I showed you um, the ones that are just wall-to-wall small text with no dialogue and no paragraphs, and it's like I can't read 500 yeah. pages of this, you know? <laughs> it's just... It's not easy. But um, this one was, was fine. It's actually, in English, it's called In Evil R, so it's not actually... I mean, it's essentially the same, it's The Evil R, so they they haven't really massively changed the um, <laughs> the name, but they have slightly changed the name. So I just thought I would mention that um, for anyone looking to get it in English. <laughs> it's all right. I just... I don't know what to say about it, really. Um just double-checking, really. yeah, in Evil-R. Yeah. I was, I was double-checking. I was doubting myself. I was like, should it be in the Evil-R? No, it's just in Evil-R. There we go. Some of the characters, apparently, according to Wikipedia, do later reappear in Thea and your de which I've not read, so if you've read that, you might see some familiar characters. Um, Basically, I'll give you the quick one-paragraph plot summary from Wikipedia, and then I'll mention a few things that I thought while reading the book. Um... Basically, we're in Colombia, we're in a village, and someone's sitting around these little stories, gossipy stories, which are actually mean, gossipy, hurtful stories, because they're secretly giving away secrets of people in the village, you know? They're done as their other little satirical jokes, but actually they're kind of real, and they're, they're, they may be real, they may not be real, but they're causing problems with people's relationships and all this kind of stuff, you know? Mm. And, and there's, like, murders and things going on in it. But one, one person dies, and essentially the mayor decides to declare martial law and use this as an excuse to send in the army, basically. So that's the basic context of the book. There's a chap called Caesar Montero, and he kills someone early in the book, and we see him a few times throughout. It's about him... They try to say, like, oh, but he's a good guy, and, you know, why did he kill, and this kind of stuff. So there's, there's some people trying to defend him as well. Um, there's just lots of random stuff. So one of the main characters is also a priest, you know, so he's interested in this. He goes to see Caesar when he's in jail and says, you've barely fed this guy for five days. That is illegal. Like, we still have to follow correct procedures. You, you can't starve this guy. Like, it's immoral as well. Like, you've got to treat him like a human and she kind of defense him there. Then at one point he goes to confession and this girl says, like, my dad's been a bit giving me unwanted attention at night. And he has to be like, right, has he? Ta-? And she's like, no, he hasn't. But I think he wants to. And he came into my room one time and I threatened to scream. So he's dealing with like that kind of stuff as well. There's a They mention a, a previous shock where a dancer, a female dancer got naked during a performance or something. So these are like, trad- you know, quite conservative, I felt like, villages. And the fact that this dancer did this years ago, that's still like a scandal they talk yeah. about today. Do you know what I mean? So like a murder is a big one or any of these other types of things would be quite big. Um, And there's a resistance movement, of course, because the soldiers are in. So, of course, there's people trying to resist them and to fight back. And then there's a little moment where it's kind of like, stop always thinking like a revolutionary when there's nothing to fight about. You know, but I think for a lot of this book, there actually is a good cause to fight because the mayor, I don't know how realistic it is that the mayor could send in the army. I feel like that could be done here.
2: (laughs) You might be able to call in like the reserves potentially Mm, something i guess
1: but yeah and also one of the hurtful (laughs) stories it's about rumors that this girl might not really be the daughter of someone you know and we don't know for a lot of the book whether these rumors are just nonsense or whether they're spreading truths you know Mm. but that's the basic the basic premise of the book Um, I can't say, I mean, it's only 180 pages, so I can't say too much Mm. more without giving the ending away, really, you know, but I suppose all I can say is it was, it was was fine, fine, you know, it's very tough, I would, it feels bad to give this a yeah, 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 when I didn't give the Nancy Mitford one a yeah, 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 Mm. because I did probably enjoy it a little bit more. But if we put it in context, I've read a lot of books about French kings, and it was not one of my favorites, whereas I typically haven't liked that much Latin American literature. So I feel like compared comparatively, okay. it gets a yeah, 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 within its class, if that's fair.
2: All right. All right. Interesting. Well, so it also brings up, so we've been doing what we've been comfortable with a lot of the time, and we're more likely to find things that we've enjoyed branching out trying new things like uh, me doing something like American or Spanish plays. We're more likely to find some that are not going to be as good for us because it's outside of our comfort zone. So I think it's, it comes with the territory.
1: Yeah. And that'll, that'll happen a little bit more. I think Um, certainly, as I say, I have a few books on my shelf for the next month or two, but then after that in the new year, I really will be buying new books and I'm going to make a point of getting slightly different stuff. So, you know, we, we will start to see that maybe some of them we might not like as much. Oh, hold on, I think the phone is ringing. Who have we got on the line now?
5: Hello there! What?
0: Oh
1: my
5: god, it's Ooh. PJ! PJ? Is, is, is this a holiday? PJ, oh, it god. is a
1: holiday. It's the it celebration. It is very close. It's Very the
5: celebration. What celebration is that now? Three years of Goods boys. Congratulations, guys. Hasn't been that long. My goodness. How uh, are you kids right here? are you kids <laughs> cracking anyway? what's what's the what's the story?
1: We're doing good. We're so, doing well. We're we're happy that we're doing our, our three years. Mm-hmm. The the listeners have missed you, so it's thank you for calling in.
5: It's nice to pop by again. I've just um Jesus, is very loud here. I'm just on the streets here, but I did want to call specific now and tell you about the book that I've read recently. Oh, good. Hmm. I'm telling you. It's something else. It's it's going to... You listeners, it's going to rock your socks off. It's... It's um, not just this, right? <laughs> it's the king of literature. It's... Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, I love my Doctor Suit. I have been reading a lot of children's books. Uh, for those of you... Hold on a second. I haven't talked to you for like six months. Yeah. I've been busy enough uh, playing the old um, the old music. Good. And I just came back from Bulgaria where I was, yeah, singing some mantra songs and teaching some meditation. And I read a great book there. I love this. It's called The Gifts of Aces by Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Now, Alex, you as an Americano probably know Dr. Wayne Dyer, do you?
2: I do not.
5: Oh, well, look at This guy is something else. I've heard of uh, it's his, it. It's his only novel. so uh, But he wow. mainly writes non-fiction. I suppose self-help, but for me, it's philosophy. philosophy. Uh, it was very big in the 70s with um, Your Erroneous zones, which was, was a big bestseller, mm-hmm. but he's just famous for bringing Taoism and different kinds of spiritual practices into the Western world. Okay. But... Um, the Gifts of Ace Keys is basically a novel which is about a man who traveled to Uranus and um, he discovers everything is the same. That, that's ah. the little twist. So nothing has changed. Not really sci-fi. Not everything is the same, except that it isn't. The difference is... <laughs> One second, just getting on the bus now. This is a terrible way to do shots, uh, you know i I mean, this is
1: like you did it uh, when you
5: hosted, so... I... Well, I, I suppose <laughs> no, yeah, so, yeah. Always... Where are the sheep? Where are the sheep,
1: <laughs> oh, PJ, and the grasshoppers?
5: The sheep and the grasshopper. Well, look, let me tell you guys, they're all over the place. Today, it's just me covered in sand in a bus. Uh, just at the current sharecoach, you know, beach there. And anyway, back to the story. You cheeky rascals. You see, this is what happens if I leave you too alone. You just have a lot more respect for me. <laughs> now this is cheek. So the gift of is he goes to Uranus, your man. This is called your man, right? Goes to Uranus and everything is seemingly the same and he's disappointed. because he's just, you know, thought it was a great, he thought it was a great sign for probably to Uranus. But it's not. The difference is that Things in Uranus happen quite literally, like things that would happen metaphorically on Earth. That means when you say like I'm getting an anxiety tap in Uranus you're actually being attacked by anxiety, like anxiety is an actual oh. thing. Ah, or like right. for example, I'm gonna make my I'm gonna make my uh, husband jealous. It's like you literally go to the shop and like buy something to inject the husband where make making jealous.
1: Right. Okay. And,
5: so, right is very on, that, that the thing is. So the scientist commits uh, a ace, he's supposed to this woman there um, who is basically the anxiety attack reporter to come back to Earth and to observe Earth. And she goes back to Earth, and she's both amazed that everyone has free will because they don't have this. That's the whole point. They don't have free will. A lot of things happen against their will. And she's at the same time shocked that even though you have free will, you see, your mind seems to be like, you know, it's basically your own mind convinced that you're getting an anxiety attack where she says, mm. well, anxiety attack is not attacking you, it's just you kind of deciding you feel mm-hmm. this way, instead of just shifting your, your feelings and yeah, and she just, the whole book is about always looking outside and always blaming other things on her, where she says, mm-hmm. well, it's all on the inside, you can shift it right now you know, don't, don't listen to anyone else, you know what you need, you've got everything you need to, to heal and it's basically becomes a critique on Earth, although mm. she does give some practical tips. It's basically a critique very much on, you know, that we don't ever look at the inside reason. We always look on the outside. Oh, let's stuff myself with some medication. Hopefully I'll get better rather than thinking, well, maybe these are some traumas I've had and I can cure from them. So okay. it becomes a, a, a practical guide how to Change your thoughts, change your mind, because that's Wayne Dyer's main thing. Except it is one novel, so at the same time, it's a very nice story. It's
0: kind
2: of and dealing with learned helplessness to an extent from a psychological perspective, like exactly, with yeah. taking control of your own life, so you don't think like all these things are happening to me. It's like, well, I, I can actually sort of do something to fix these problems in a way. Sure, yeah, yeah.
5: exactly. Uh, and he's very much a psychologist, and that's what he studied. And uh, Waindar. Yeah, just re-recommend really it.
1: Give it a go, guys. He's... Good. So, I think good. we know the answer then. We have a new thing. Uh, do we send this book, yeah, yeah, yeah? Or do we send it down the gutter? It sounds like it's a yeah, is... yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: I'd say it's a yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That's what I think. Oh. Like gotta play go.
5: Twice.
1: So, <laughs> so, is,
2: <laughs> so, is free will in this world just some guy named Will? And it's that literal <laughs> it would, that'd be hilarious <laughs> so just, it's, just, it's just
5: literally yeah. It's just that's it yeah. that's a twist you get and he away. just
2: and he's very buddhist so he's entirely free of any connection <laughs> wow,
5: that sounds like a great story no you're just, then inspire me. maybe I will write but well, good write. do that I okay. would read it
1: thanks so much for calling in uh, before you go a little Alfred wants to say hello he's uh, he's missed his old buddy Alfred. there there he is Aww, on, on cam there yes. kisses from Alfred
5: it nice pub uh, guy guys Love you both, and um, love the show, and keep on keep on rocking, right? Keep on we rockin', will. Folks, keep right? Thank you so
1: much for calling in, and uh, All right. thanks Happy for getting us started project. with this. We
5: appreciate you. Look, always there, right? Always the always the always the guy in the background, right? There we go. Um, thank hi. you.
1: <laughs> bye bye. See you. <laughs> See you, Jesus. Well, there we go. Thanks, PJ, calling in. That was. Uh, that's very good. I have one more book, and then I think we can finally end, but I'll mention it now. We're gonna also end this month's episode. I always play a song, and we're gonna play Beautiful, Blissful, and Bountiful um by PJ. So we're gonna we're gonna play a song of his to close Ooh. the episode. It's almost like I spent a lot of time doing preparation for the episode and had, had things in place. Unlike <laughs> uh last month where we were just like, crap, we've got an R, let's let's do what we can. <laughs>
2: And this one, we're making up for it with almost three hours,
1: maybe. I guess it might be the longest we've ever done, but it's all right. We got maybe one more hour. book, and then we're done. And it's a special episode, so it's it's fine. <laughs>
2: yeah, one hour for each
1: year. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, one hour for each year. But look, let's get to the last book. And just remember as well before I before I get to it. Uh, We do like to hear from you, whether it's booksboys at hotmail.com or whether you want to go on your Instagram and at booksboyspodcast and send us a message on there or whatever. Um, We'd like to hear from you, Um, even if it is just to ask for the free book that we (laughs) offer. So we do like interaction on there. Um, So there, applause, applause. Thank you. Thank you. you. Enough, enough. Okay. Up next, we're going to play a short clip from another of our Patreon co-hosts, Saloni who we did some film fellows with and we hope to have more of, and who gifted me the lovely book earlier in the episode. She sent us a lovely message for our three years.
3: Congratulations on completing three years for the books, boys. Um, You have done a good job on that. Um, Not just you, but your entire team. So you, PJ, Alex, Robert, Carla, and other people who have come once in a while as well. As a guest appearance, I know I have put my contribution where we reviewed the guest movie. Also, um, the fellow authors to whom you interview about their books. And um, yeah, it takes a lot of effort. Um, As an audience, I don't read a lot of books, but there's something for everyone. So, it's not just like one genre of books, but even uh, like movies, plays, and series as well. So, I just wish all the best to you and your team to make this podcast a big hit for the years to come. So, bye.
0: So, the last
1: book.
2: Now, before we get to that, I did have an answer for your like Halloween movie question. Oh, good. The Haunting. Haunting on House. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that one is my fa- one of my favorite movies of all time. I can't believe I forgot that. I was just thinking Halloween movies. It's technically not Halloween, but
0: yeah, I, I think
1: haunting. that's a good answer. Yeah, right. Okay. More Go... importantly, the last book, Gorky. Gorky. Oh, I have to say more things. Um, so I read, wow. <laughs> I read a book by Gorky. Um, it's in wow. this collection, The Greatest Masterpieces of Russian Literature. Um, you would not heard of him, right?
2: I had not. I had not. That's why I was making fun of his name at the end there. Mm.
1: Uh. <laughs> this is coming a little bit later than you know, Tolstoy and Dostoevsky. Um, mm. Not much, but, you know, he's a little bit after those. Um, Maxim Gorky. This book is called The Spy. Um, but when I looked it up online, I, I'm finding that in English, at least, it's not usually called The Spy. It's usually called something like The Life of a Useless Man. <laughs> um oh. And then it says, like, the Wikipedia page, for example, calls it that. And it just mentions, like, sometimes also called The Spy or something. So this is not the main title, but the version I read was called The Spy. So I really, I think it's about 300 pages. Let me just double check. Um, Yeah, about 350. I really enjoyed the first 100 pages. Okay. Then I think it went downhill when it got into The Spying.
0: (laughs)
5: Uh yeah, yeah.
1: Usually not your cup of tea. It's not. Um, the reason I but but I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead to this. Actually, it's getting yeah, 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 yeah. the reason okay. is because those first hundred pages were so good, and they could have come from a Dickens book. Wow, that's high so great for you. E- yeah. So even though I didn't like the rest, it's not that I disliked the rest. It's just that it obviously went downhill from the first hundred pages you know
2: now would you say like someone else would enjoy it yeah quite i a think bit?
1: so okay okay and if you like russian literature you probably like it you know
2: yeah i mean it sounds that way for sure yeah. we we're not exactly the biggest fans of russian literature i can enjoy some of the plays because they're at least bite sized if you give me like dostoevsky like, the brother Karamazov, like, I, I couldn't. Yeah, I that one's it. not great.
1: But but I loved Crime and Punishment. I've liked some Dostoevsky. Others I haven't liked as much. I like Anna Karenina, despite its uh, despite its length. I will never try Worm Dees. So that's Tolstoy.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. um, but the Chekhov plays we did with Carla were very good. And really quickly on that, actually, because we mentioned that we're going to do some Italian plays with Carla. We failed to mention that I think for the first time ever, we're going to try to do an episode without me. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that means I will be doing the episode, so people are going to look forward to that. Most it will be the most popular episode we've ever done. Um, yeah, probably. Let me know if you need to book Alfred, though, if to, if you need to get him booked in to offer any assistance, or if you can you can handle it without him. Uh,
2: I might realize how much he does for you. Uh,
1: yeah, he <laughs> like his contributions are immense. You can see it. You can you can you can just feel it on every episode. You know. But look, mm-hmm. let's talk about Gorky. So, first hundred yes. pages, we've got this little boy, Yevsi. Um, he's there, he's an orphan, he's with his uncle, and there is another kid, Yashka, and they're they're fighting and just typical kid stuff, you know. But they mention a lot that Yevsky gets beaten, and there's some other relative who only really appears in the opening sort of scene. I think it's another aunt or something. And she's like, yeah, beat him again. Like, she's just really, like, the one kid misbehaves, like, beat that one too. Like, she seems to enjoy that. But they, they beat the kid. And look, I think it's yes, put in put its in time period. It's it's not that they're badly beating him. It's that when he misbehaves, he gets a box on the ear or he gets hit or something, right? But he mentions, mm-hmm. like, I seem to get hit quite a lot. And I get a lot of thrashings, you know? Like, he doesn't like that, obviously. Um. The uncle also just calls him orphan. (laughs) He doesn't call him by his name. (laughs) He just refers to him as orphan at all times. Um, But he does try to teach him some stuff and he tries to give him some advice. And he says, look, there's going to come a time when I'm old and I can't work and you're going to be working and I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask for money. And the little boy says, uncle, you should have everything. I'll give it all to you. And he says, no, you must give me only as much as you can afford to spare. Any less would be ungrateful, that any more would be unfair of me to take. But, you know, in my in my impoverished state I might take it. So he's like, I'm telling you now, only give me the correct amount, you know?
0: Wow. So I
1: thought that was a good lesson to teach. That to be honest. really was. Yeah. Um that was one of my favorite parts of the book, actually. That's very well caught. But as soon as we see this little orphan boy and he's get going through his trials and tribulations and I'm like, yeah, this is very dick you know. And then yeah. the, the guy takes him to a shop and he's like, here is a shop. I guess this guy is not your master. Work for him. Be a good boy. Off you go. And then the shopkeeper, he tries to persuade the shopkeeper to take him on and he's kind of like, um, he's a good lad, he's smart, he's curious. And the guy keeps interrupting, like, we have no need for curiosity in the shop. He's like, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is and then he says, silly, like, go, go, and, twist. go and get uh, the thing from the shelf. And they're like, he doesn't know where it is yet. And he's like, what? But he's the shop boy. I thought he would know where the things are. It's like, I haven't taught him yet where the things are, you know, but, but actually the guy, the boss seems harsh, but he's not. And he actually says to him at one point, um, organize all these books. And the guy's like, well, the kid's like, well, how should I organize it? He's like, well, I'm not going to tell you, but you better do it right. And the boy gets left alone and he thinks, what if I organize them like by, by author and by date? And he comes back and he's like, right, so you did know how to do it. And I thought that was a good lesson as well. It was like you were okay. capable of correct coming up with the correct system. You should be given that independence to do it.
2: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, mm-hmm. Then he has more confidence in himself later. Yeah.
1: Now, he does work him hard because there's like a window cleaner's boy who comes and he's like, let's go to town. And he's like, I'm working. And he's like, but it's Sunday. And he's like, oh. Is that a thing? Because I think like, I have to work all yeah. the time, <laughs> you know. And he has to ask special permission, like, can I go out into the yard? And the guy's like, oh, I guess. There's an enclosed yard in the back of the shop. You know, it's like, I guess you can go get some fresh air in the yard, uh, but I can't see that any good will come of it. <laughs> you know, like, you should be in the shop working at all times. So there's a little bit of that as well. Mm. But the funny thing is, this bookkeeper, he... It's set during a time where they're worried. So, by the way, the spies are not communist spies. They're spies for the Tsar against socialism and against revolutionaries. Oh. Um, So these guys are actually worried, like, well, this is what reading books will lead to. So although this guy owns a bookshop, he actually kind of has disdain for anyone who comes in and buys books. And he sees every book sold as like another, like, oh, we've lost another one. You know, it's a bad thing when when he sells the books
2: that's really sad
1: yeah there's a landlady who lives there and there's a couple of three or four illustrations throughout the book the first one is just a nude of her um the kid finds the man having sex with her but i need to mention before that that the the book shop owner really said bad things about her he's like she's don't be friends with her she's like we can't be trusted. She's a woman of ill repute. She gives pleasure. But what he means by that, it's not clear that she's like a prostitute or anything. Um and she might be, but in this specific point, all he says is she goes singing and playing piano in bars for drunk men, <laughs> giving, you know, musical pleasure. I mean, nowadays, it's like, that's quite a nice thing to do, but <laughs> it was like, so she's obviously of ill repute.
2: <laughs> I wonder if in, like... Russian culture at the time, that would be saying like prostitutes. Maybe. That's
1: what a prostitute
2: would do as part of her job. So, I I don't know. I don't know. But
1: after saying, you know, all the kind of woman she is, he himself is sleeping with her, which is a bit hypocritical, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The boy falls in love with her, though. And is happy to betray his master for her. Uh, I'm not going to talk. It's going to sound like a spoiler, but as I say, I'm really only talking about the first part anyway. Um, I might be going a bit beyond the hundred pages, but I'm not going to really go into the second half of the book too much. Um, what happens is the woman is like, "Yeah, I'm going to kill your master," and the boy's like, "Cool, I hate him and I love you, so that's fine." The master thinks that she's poisoning him, a la comedy of terrors. Like every, uh, you know, every time <laughs> he gets the food, he thinks oh, it's the opposite. They are poisoning him, but they're taking yeah. away the. Ma- this is this is him saying everything you give me is poisoned but it's not. Um but then she eventually just smothers him with a pillow. She's like, I've had enough of this guy. And it turns out that they're all involved in the spying one way or another and she's a spy and they meet another person who's a spy. Um But the thing is they they basically say to the boy, they're not I mean they're not his parents to be fair, but she says like, I don't think it's gonna work out well for you boy. I can I kind of assume you'll probably hang yourself. I was like, wow, that's not a good way to to encourage him. Like, that's not nice. (laughs) Um, But then a few pages later, she herself actually commits suicide. I think she slits her throat. So he finds that his master is dead and she is dead. And he's no interest in going back to the old uncle. I skipped a very small part where one time the uncle does actually come to the shop. And I was very sad that the boy was kind of like, oh, I don't need this old man anymore. He's kind of rude to him and doesn't care about him. And the uncle's going blind and can't work anymore. So and,
2: he's almost like asking for
1: money Yeah. Away. Like he, and the boy's just kinda like, oh, this old guy coming around. Like that's in the past. You know, I've moved on from that part of my life, basically. I'm with the master now, who I also will happily watch get killed. Uh so he's not really that nice.
2: No, no. He's <laughs> these are the people who actually helped him. Like the master's given him a job and he's just like, No, I hate him now. It's like Just because he likes lying. the woman,
1: yeah. yeah. Um then he gets into the spying and someone someone basically says to him, This is an easy job go in the police department, and if we're spies, then when we go to the bars and the brothels, they'll give us lots of girls. So let's do that. And so they do that. And he meets a guy called Smokestack, and he goes to live with him. But um, that's kind of where it starts to lose interest for me, because then it gets a bit more into the actual spying and things. The The only salient point, which will add to his character a little bit more, is he comes up against his old childhood rival, Yashka, his cousin, and just happily betrays him to the state as well. So I, I would say, and he's like, well, there's no brothers and sisters in the, you know, revolutions and politics. And it's like, yeah.
7: Isn't
2: the whole point of the revolution that everyone is your brother?
1: I think he's not a good guy. Well, he was on the other side, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, yeah, he's not a great guy. But I liked the book. I mean, I hopefully I've explained, I've made it clear why I liked it. It starts with that Dickensian kind of way, and then also leads into these kind of moral issues. But the second half, when it is mostly spying, I just I have nothing to say about that at all. I'm completely uninterested. You know.
2: Okay. Is it kind of like listening into like war councils and stuff, and it's too bureaucratic, or like it's giving you it too much information? Maybe a
1: little bit of like that. I just felt that I was not even taking in what I was reading towards the end. Like I was just bored a little bit Um, mm. he's there you know he's living with smokestack there's some other people coming they're all talking about the revolution and everything I, I suppose the important point here is it's called the life of a useless man right so he never achieves anything mm. because he's a useless untrained spy for the Tsarist regime and he's not really interested in anything and it's he took the job because he thought he might get girls basically like you know and they don't do anything And when the revolution does come, they don't know what's going on because they're too low down to have been told anything. And they're like, do we go out? Do we fight? Do we kill people? What do we do? Do we even have guns? What is going on? You know, so he's useless.
2: (laughs) Hmm. Okay. So yeah, maybe the uh, English version or English title is a bit better. The Spy doesn't really grab you in any way.
1: The Spy was a weird title for me because the bits I liked were... Enough to do with that. (laughs) That is fair. That is very fair. (laughs) But that's it. It it gets a yeah, yeah, yeah because I did enjoy it, especially the start, and I really, really enjoyed the start. So I'm, yeah, I'm happy with it. But that is that wraps up the three
2: year anniversary. Does not it finish?
1: Well, now I've read these other six books. No um <laughs> say those for next month. We finally yeah, we finally got through um, all the all the content and we'll play PJ's song in a in a moment. Um guys just head over to booksboys.com, you know, get in touch with us talk to us click on things. Please do the Patreon because there's a lot of content on there I mean Playboys alone yeah. there's more episodes of Playboys than Booksboys by now. Um yes. plus there's all the other stuff. There's stuff that we don't do that often like poetry Pals and film fellows but there's also you know, this forensic friends. I've put a lot of music archives on there. I've got interviews with rock stars. We've got um you know multiple series of Playboys, including Playboys of Attica, Playboys Extra, the yeah. original Shakespeare's, four seasons of Dark Place Dreamers, the new stuff, the animation. So much stuff on there.
2: Yep, all of the Greek plays. Uh, yeah, they're on Patreon at this point. Yeah, Not public access. So yeah, yeah, we really enjoy doing most of the most of those.
1: We have, yeah, we have. We've really enjoyed them, uh, <clears throat> Aeschylus. <laughs> but um, yeah, most of them. <laughs> that's fine, that's yeah. <laughs> it's all right.
2: right. Yes, yes. I wouldn't put him down the gutter.
1: Uh... We'll not, we'll not put it. No, no, nothing from Ancient Greece is going down the gutter. But we have f- finally finished the um, three-year anniversary. <laughs> Well, that one's too much. Um, we finished three-year anniversary of Books Boys. Remember the, the last one we did, the gong just played. That was quite funny. But um, guys. Rip headphone users. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. DJ would spin the record. We'll be back in about a month. Books Boys was presented by The Dean and Playboy Alex in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. Ha! This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Hiding History Books and Novels. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at BooksBoys at Hotmail.com or visit us at BooksBoys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trap Door. And the outro uses Dogs Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either pod safe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus the Fandaboy shows And you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends. And come back next time for another episode of Books Boys.
7: Read some books! Well,
1: that was a long one. It would be funny if we would forgot to hit record or something. Almost three hours, good lord.